In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. From 1964, this is album 66. This is Love Supreme from John Coltrane. Guys, I was thinking uh, that this podcast should be more like one of those NPR podcasts. So I've put together a little script uh, for the opening bit here. Psst. There's a flash of light. We see a metallic <laughs> orb. It's obviously a machine, but it looks like it was made by an advanced civilization. We hear the whirring of gears and a door opens. We squint to see what it could be past the entrance to the machine and a thick white smoke pours smoke? out. It's lit by green lights. Don't, don't interrupt me. It's a time machine. Okay. And we look in and it's Russell. Okay. We oh. get it. Russell invites us all in and we're off to October 2nd, 1965. We land. Okay. It's Seattle. We okay. go in. Ooh. To a jazz club known as the Penthouse. Now it's not quite what I was expecting, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. Okay, I am a little disappointed. I, I'm mad oh, about I like it. Where this is going? But we go into the Penthouse uh, and uh, let's let's listen. Oh, who's that over there? Who is? Hey, wait a minute. That's John Coltrane. What? Right, he's is playing. He, is he going to do Supreme. it? Is he going to play it live? Okay. He's, this is he's a once going. in a lifetime experience. Absolutely. Now the Russell, we're. You're taking us to where you bought tickets. Where are we? Uh-oh. Wait, like, it's only a 275 seat auditorium. Yeah, but we're somehow we're up on the third level. Now listen, we're not to this. in the balcony, are we? <laughs> I, yeah, the acoustics up here, Russell. <laughs> not as good. Really. It's not as good. I, I can't hear who's playing exactly. It looks like. Is, is Coltrane playing like a flute? I, is, I don't know that he's a saxophone. What is he playing? I think this is Beast of Tuba? When, is, when did they play Jumpin' Jack hey, Flash? Hey, pal, sit in your own fucking seat, why don't you? Get your knees out of here. Sorry about that. That'd <laughs> take care of it. Hey, Russell, uh, nice work. This is really uh, worth the time. Thank you. <laughs> when you want to hear you just about the greatest they don't, they don't take credit cards. I need $100 bills for my <laughs> Russell, I have this tiny purse. Please help me get in. I'm going to need a third mortgage to buy this t-shirt. If you want to hear from guys in chat and then they need a credit report or not. I have two t-shirts now that say John Coltrane. Beck did it better. <laughs> oh, what's up, everybody? This is Beck Did It Better. And yes, today we are talking about another jazz album. So it looks like Aaron's going to be in charge. Oh, I've got hey. three guys here who are excited because this album has the same number of words that Matt normally says in an episode. I've got Matt in Minneapolis. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> A uh, love supreme. Yeah, that, I got it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've got Russ in Minnesota. Russ, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. You guys wanted a funny quote from a jazz album on the list. Well, it didn't fucking make it. So here's what you get. Live from Minnesota, the guy who loves store-bought cakes with store-bought frosting that's shaped like roses. <laughs> and I've got Aaron who's excited because he can stay up extra late because tonight is the end of daylight savings time. And I'm sure Aaron has no thoughts on daylight saving times. We've got Aaron out in California. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm not taking the bait on that yet. I am excited. This week, my son asked me what it means to pray. And I told him when I pray, I listen to John Coltrane. So let's talk about oh, the love nice. There you go. Well, that's weird because you're also a registered predator. 
So <laughs> what? 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 Yeah, I get it. Predator and prey. This I is satire. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's make a good edit point here in case Aaron doesn't want me to say he's a predator. Okay, could be a good thing too, you know. Uh, all right, let's get into tonight's voicemail. I'm so stupid. Yeah, you kiss my ass. Dumb shit listeners. They can't even tell what uh, we're doing. It is a Bex. <laughs> listeners are dumb shits. They're just the dumbest of the dumb. Right. Aaron, how do people reach the Bex line? Oh, God. They, they can text us at 802-277-BEC. That's 802-277-2329-225. And just a little update. If we could have some more people maybe do it this week, that'd be great. Because we're a little dry on it this week. Uh, let's see what Casey Casey has to say. Nice. What is Aaron more horny about? Getting foot picture texts or the new The Bodyguard remake? Now, Aaron, did you realize that there's a new Bodyguard remake? And for some reason, somebody in our crowd thought fit to text us and ask if you knew anything about the new Bodyguard movie coming out. I looked it up. It has nobody I've ever heard of in my life. Some guy won a Tony. Okay. I don't even know what that is. Like, I mean, if, if it's somebody who won a Tony, now I'm excited. Oh, like, yeah, like Mr. New York is going to pretend like he doesn't know what a Tony is. They're great. Obviously, Peter. I am the uh, the known Whitney Houston fan on this podcast, but I'm I have to apologize to our listeners. I was not aware that the Bodyguard has uh, has has another version coming out. I will also be very honest with our listeners. I have not, while I am a devotee oh, no. of the Bodyguard Uh-oh. soundtrack, I have That's not bad. seen the original Bodyguard. I've not seen wow. it. I just, I've listened to the soundtrack a whole bunch. I love the soundtrack, but I've never seen it. It's a great movie, Rosie. I, well, you're I, right. I, mean, I should watch it. I yeah. should watch it. I've definitely seen it, okay? And I don't have time to go into my favorite scene from the movie right now. I think it's when Whitney Houston <laughs> sings that classic song, I Will Always Love You, uh, and other parts that may have been pulled for the music video that I saw one million times when I was growing up. Why would they remake The Bodyguard? Why? Now, here's a question. If they remake The Bodyguard, are they going to have the person sing? They can't sing I Will Always Love You, right? I mean, I think they have to. That's the whole movie. Aaron's never even seen the movie. That's all he knows is the song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one, and I'm Every Woman, and I have... I have nothing. Uh, is Queen of the Night on that one too? No, that's later. Yeah, that seems one like you can't re- you can't replicate that. You've got to go a different route with that. It's got to be no. something completely different. It's like yeah, like the Karate Kid, the new Cobra Kai series. It's it's continuing the characters, and it's like a different show now. You can't go back and just try to remake that movie, can you? No, only if Jennifer Hudson would do it. And at some point, Jennifer Hudson is Jennifer Hudson is going to say, "I'm not going to continue doing." famous singers on screen because there's they're diminishing returns so there's nobody else plus it'd be tough because kevin costner's character died at the end oh right aaron i you hadn't seen it that's my bad my bad you know what my, my favorite my favorite part Spoiler of that alert. was right before right before he died or it was actually right after his yeah. he died he uh walked out of this cornfield and then him and whitney houston started playing catch she and then said, every, Kevin, do you and then every dude in the world starts getting emotional about thinking about moments with their dad. <laughs> that was the they movie. had a catch. That they was they had a catch. They had a catch. That was the movie growing up where I realized that I was a crier at movies. I cry at movies all the time. I cry at two different things. I cry at uh, Facebook videos of uh, veterans coming home and meeting their family. It makes me cry every time. Every time I watch it, especially when the kids and you got like a. You got like a mid-teen who goes up and just hugs their dad. Oh. Like, it's the greatest. Oh, my, oh my God. God. And I cry, my, the water I cry my eyes out at movies. I cried. And my kid makes fun of me. My 12-year-old kid, who I am, I'm the light of her life, okay? And I'm kind of a role model. And she always says uh, things to me. I assume I'm not really listening. I have my uh, noise-canceling <laughs> headphones in a lot. She's always saying things, I assume, like, oh, you're such a good dad. And thanks for uh, being here when you're not at the gym or uh, doing stuff. Why are you lying down with your VR goggles on? Things like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is your door always locked? Stuff like that. It's not, listen, we don't have to get into what she says, but she said, she tells everybody, my dad cried at Boss Baby 2 and then laughs about it. Makes fun of her dad for crying at Boss Baby 2. I'm going to say Boss Baby 2, another fucking movie that's a cartoon, should be fun, should be a good time. Instead, it's about growing older and making mistakes in your life and looking back with regret. I'm like, fuck this shit. I do not want to watch this with kids movies. It sucks. Hey, I want to see they, kids movies with like Transformers. They just would have hugged it out when they were eight. They would have been fine. Yeah. I don't want to see Optimus Prime be like, I think I need reading glasses. Like, I don't, that's not what I want to see. <laughs> Wait, has that happened? Does that Let me get Prime reading work? glasses. Here, <laughs> lay all this on, lay all, no. <laughs> Hold the all spark for me. I'm going to lens crafters, Bumblebee. <laughs> Okay, and this is where we improv a Transformers getting older scene. Go, Aaron. Suspiciously close to the Hulk Hogan voice. What if Optimus Prime and Hulk Hogan shared a dad? <laughs> hey, brother. Optimus Prime brother, we share a dad. We're not. And they neither one of us are they very find good out at, at the end of the, They find out at the end of the movie. Matt, you what see you, what I did there? What you going to do when I transform into a wrestling star into a porn star <laughs> and do something all over you? listen russell i loved it i'm keeping it in i think that's funny as shit it's the bodyguard well that's the weird thing about the bodyguard is it's being remade with hulk hogan and optimus prime a lot of people don't realize (laughs) will always love you now i'm gonna put a robot voice on that in post it's gonna sound really good you be afraid does it going to have a really high voice, a falsetto or not? Uh, yeah, that's also going to be in post. It's going to be a high robot voice coming at you in post. Uh, oh, definitely. Uh, my talents uh, are in editing, maybe not singing so much. So Aaron really <laughs> never answered the question. What makes you more horny, Aaron? The the, the remake or the pictures of Pete? Uh, well, as I've discussed before, the uh, foot fetish is not actually a true thing of mine. So it would have to be sight unseen. Sight unseen. It is the... <laughs> Remake of the Bodyguard. Because can I, I can watch them both. Something? Maybe I can watch them both back to back. Wait, did Rob just ask us if he can talk about something? Back to back. What if I we said thinking, no? Think about you and Hulk Hogan sitting in a bathtub naked, back to back for some reason. New Bodyguard movie sounds good. <laughs> Brother Aaron, I'm here and I'm your bodyguard. I will always love you. And you know what else I love? Eating sushi, brother. Oh my god, I like a big blap. Wait, wait, it's my son on the phone. I better pick him up while I'm plowing my friend's wife. Hello. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I thought yeah, it was here his wife's brother. Mine, my brother. We will share a dad. Your granddad, brother. Uh, and so on and so forth. What was I going to say? can't remember. You asked us if you could talk about something. And yeah, no, I was no going to talk gonna about no. something. You're the main host. Shit, what was I going to talk about? You think about it. There, there's two things. I'm reading this article about the new bodyguard, okay? <laughs> oh, good. One, somebody's been trying to... One. <laughs> <laughs> now at least Matt is reading something about the podcast this time. Oh my god, somebody, I can't believe it. Somebody's been trying to remake it since 2011. Wow. I mean, so like that's that's a long time. And two, uh Kevin Costner said there was supposed to be a sequel to it in the late 90s and that Princess okay. Die was supposed to uh star in it and then she died what? in 1997, so basically that no. shut down all of that. No, come on. Wow. I'm Another not spoiler. Lying. Princess Di was going to be a bodyguard in the movie. I mean, that's an ironic twist, isn't it? Uh, ironic. Oh, no. She was also going to oh, be in the no. Fast and Furious movie. And it was like, oh. Most people don't know that. I think we've Too talked soon. about this before, but the, the song I Will Always Love You is a, who, who originally sang it? Dolly, right? Dolly Parton, yep. right? I had no idea until about 
about a year ago that that was she a, sings the she hell made, out of it too. She sings. She great. made ten million dollars in royalties just off that movie alone. Ten million. And you know who suggested they had the bodyguard, Kevin right? Costner, and, and it was yeah. Kevin Costner who's like, "Listen, we need a song. You should try this Dolly Parton song." He was a big Dolly fan, I, and Whitney was like, "It's a great idea, Kevin. I love you." Is that song by Whitney Houston? Has anyone ever seen someone do that at karaoke? Is that can people do that, or is it way too hard? No, the, the end I, I uh, part when one. they hold nobody can. I mean, like you can't not a good idea. hold that note. You can't belt it like she does. Yeah, it's horrible. It's because it's also fail. the sort of thing where if you go to karaoke and you really nail that, people are just like, well, just then just go be a professional. Like nobody right. wants yeah. at karaoke to hear someone actually just all turn right, out show like off. That. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, exactly. And then Aaron's in the crowd booing you. You're like, what are you? Right, right, no, yeah. Nobody wants that. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, I got to defend myself a little bit. There is a there is a part of me that has, has always wanted to see the bodyguard because those songs were always on the Q102 yep. top five at nine when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Listen to all of them. You didn't want to cry your eyes out, though. I don't want to cry my eyes out. I don't want to cry my eyes out now. I can't, I'm not going to watch Whitney Houston on screen. That's the saddest shit in all of life. I'm not going to go there. So I will defend myself. There are I'm just like Rob's a crier at movies. Sometimes I just can't do the sad films and I'm not going to watch Whitney Houston on screen. If you would have seen me sitting in the Uber by myself after that, that concert date, you would have seen much sadder. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Russell hustling his date into the car like a bodyguard. Uh, So my quandary is this. My rolling going is karaoke. So I could make a seamless transition to a karaoke story right now. Or I could tell the I could say the thing that I finally remember that I was going to say. And I'm going to go with the bad decision. I'm going to say the thing I finally remember to say. So let's rewind the tape. Let's get in Russell's time machine. Uh, orb comes down. We all get in white object. We go back three minutes. It's right there. Uh, and I want to say that I want to, is it okay with you guys if I talk about something we talked about after the podcast? Okay, I'm getting a big thumbs up from everybody. No problem whatsoever. I think it's going to be fine. We need to start. Our fans are now known as foot freaks. Okay, just foot freaks. Nothing to do with Beck did it better. Just foot freaks. So when you introduce yourself, say, hey, are you a foot freak? Uh, and then when you see us say, hey, I'm a foot freak, we'll, we'll be like, hey, we love our foot freaks out there. So Why? if you are a fan, if you are one of our dumb shit listeners, you are now an official foot freak. We are going to have some foot freak merch coming out. Uh, it's going to be Beck did it better real small in the front, like font size, like four. And then on the back, real big, it's going to say foot freak with an arrow that says blow here. And a lot of people aren't going to get that joke unless you've listened to just the right number of episodes, but I think it's going to be a big hit. All right, let's get into rolling going. <laughs> Wait, that was, that was, you asked permission to talk about that and then went ahead. And then you know, you usually, you know after the pie, you usually show us all those pictures. And they're all coming from people like the na- you can see the names on the yeah. on the phone numbers. That means that those are your buddies yeah. that you've got their number That's- for that are sending you. And, and they're in my contacts now as best friends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, wait, we got more this week. We, we got gifs of girls taking off their socks. I was, and I don't show her. And that's, that's for me. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you, when you from now on, when you leave a voicemail or email, please start off with, hey, foot freak for like how long you've been listening or whatever. You know, first time caller, uh, long time foot freaker, stuff like that. Rolling going. Rob. All right. How's rolling it going, going with you? I have. I have a karaoke themed rolling going. So when I edit oh, out all that stuff about the foot freak stuff, that's going to be a seamless transition. No big deal. So the other weekend, uh, Jenny and I went out with a couple of dudes who we go out to dinner with a lot. They, they love to pick fancy restaurants in town. So we've gone to uh, a lot of different kind of nice places in New York. It's kind of our only time we go out to nice restaurants in New York. We went to a restaurant called Chili, which was a Szechuan kind of a spicy 
Chicken uh, fingers, electric lemonades, chilies is awesome. Baby, baby back ribs. <laughs> baby back corn. Some baby back ribs. Baby back, baby back. Oh, my baby back, baby back, baby back. Was it at the airport? I only eat at fancy places in New York. Great story, Rob. Great rolling going. I never get excited because New York by me now has a Taco Bell Cantina, which is a Taco Bell that also serves alcohol, which Ooh. sounds like my dream come Ooh, true. Yes. Like, hmm, what to, and then, and then I was like, hmm, mix some milk in there. And let's give me three things that give me mind bending diarrhea. I think that's a good is idea. This place that you, is this place that you went to, is it like McDowell's from uh, Coming to America? You know, they're just playing on McDonald's. This, this is not, this is chili, no. not chili. No. Is, and is it chili with an apostrophe? And then the, and then the S on the sign is just dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We've got the baby back ribs. You know We've what? got the Actually, baby back ribs. I don't like <laughs> hey, rolling going. I like doing my rolling going when you guys are tired and you want to like move Rob, on. How, That's my those, favorite. how were those super fancy jalapeno poppers? Were they everything you were hoping for? No. Okay. So is that chili, a fancy uh, place that you guys probably have never even heard flare. of? Okay. At the airport. Best place to have a 9 a.m. shot in a beer. You do love, you've mentioned that before, that you love having a drink at Chili's at the airport. That's a real thing. Absolutely. Yeah, That's like episode three, I remember you talking no about. No doubt, that. yeah. It's some sort of, some sort of top it off with some sort of molten lava cake. It's fantastic, oh, yeah. right? So after Chinese food, after spicy Chinese food, okay, we make, on a Friday night in Koreatown, we make karaoke reservations, right? Okay. Jenny goes, listen, I found a place. It's karaoke. Now, karaoke here in New York is a little bit different because you pay and then you, okay, so that's a little different, but you go into a room by yourself <laughs> with your party. So it was just the four of us in a room by ourselves with a TV. And then it's just nonstop songs, right? You can pick all the songs yourself. So you, you can just, you can sing more. It's kind of, it's kind of weird because you're not impressing strangers, which might surprise you. That is one of my favorite parts of karaoke. Mm-hmm. Um, Shocking. But it's also kind of nice because I can sing like any song I want and then end it. You can end it. It's really key. You can just end it when it gets to that part where you're like, oh, I didn't know this song went on so long. So if you're, if you're bombing like we're bombing on this podcast, we can just cut it off and yeah. call it the end right now. <laughs> We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can, I can play that clip anytime. Can you imagine how happy rating our friends would be? They're like, this ready for oh the my rating God. system? A 20 minute episode. <laughs> I'm fucking That's like, all he would have had to do was ask nicely at any point the last year and a half, and we could have been done. I mean, that's all he's saying. Our friends would be like, our friends would be like, thank God, I have to listen to the show because every time I see these guys, they make me talk to them about the podcast and then get mad when they act like we don't. Oh, God, all people want to do is talk to me about the podcast. Oh, I don't really want to talk about that. Meanwhile, Russell and I saw each other this weekend. All we talked about was the podcast, like yes. just the two of us. We had a secret podcast talk that you guys were not privy to. So I went to Chili's, went to the karaoke place. However, I knew there was trouble. So first of all, I don't want to blame anybody, okay? This is not anybody's fault. This could happen to anybody. Jenny made the reservations. Jenny, Jenny made the reservations. Jenny made the reservations. And I'm just going to say this right now. There may have been some fine print on the website that she did not look closely at. Okay. okay. Was she this wearing her transition lenses? Was she reading them oh, outside no. or inside? <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to make fun of those. I think Rob's allowed. I don't know if we're allowed to do that, Aaron. But some, like, oh, if you're outside in the oh, sunshine God. trying to read a website, that's okay. tough. Man. I'll edit myself saying, I think it was those transition lenses. She couldn't see very well. Then I'll make that joke myself. It'd be very funny. Uh, but yes, yeah, I think the transition lenses were clouding both her vision and her judgment because we went to this place and we get in there, right? We, we get up there and... The person leads us in and all of a sudden is cornering me. She has obviously picked me as the weakest gazelle in the whole herd, has has cornered me from the group and says, well, just to let you guys know, on Friday, normally it's uh, $10 a person reservation charge for an hour. 
Okay. But on Fridays, you are, you must do uh, bottle service. Oh, man, you're a bottle service guy. Well, that's what I was like. I was like, bottle service. I've definitely done bottle service. And then I realized like, no, actually I had other people like, do bottle excuse service me, for I've me. Been to Chili's. I've already done a ketchup <laughs> bottle service and a mustard <laughs> bottle service and three Miller lights, ma'am. So immediately I do what any man in that situation would do. I say, Jenny, can you come over here? They want a bottle. And I totally give up any sort of responsibility. I realized, and I realized that basically I have taken like, if I'm a gazelle, Who's like a slow? I have taken the gazelle who only has two legs and just thrown them to the lions. Like it's because Jenny, there's no way if I can't stand up to these people, there's no way Jenny's going to. The two people we're with are sitting in the corner, kind of looking at us like, what's going on? They say, well, there's bottle service, so you have a couple options. You can either get one bottle, and it comes with all free mixers, and you get uh, uh, you can have fruit plate or fries, two hundred and seventy dollars. There's four, of or you, you can get two bottles, fries, obviously. <laughs> you no, okay, you guys are missing the point here. Chili's <laughs> fries are great. <laughs> yeah, like, can you upgrade fries? for onion rings for oh, an extra they put dollar? Some, like, uh, they put some seasoning on them. They're yeah. great. What, what are the dipping oh, sauce options with the fries? Hot sauce. We say, like, what are the other options? They say, well, you can do two bottles for $430. Oh! And I have to say, I was kind of like, I was like, actually, that's a pretty good deal if you think about it. Like, what is two seventy? Two is four thirty. You kind of are giving away What's money. Three now. How are you, are you like, buying? Oh, are you saying? Oh, they had it. They had all the way up thousands of dollars, like champagne and the whole thing. So then, that means with your chicken finger basket before your night would have cost you like four hundred and thirty-eight seventy-five plus service charge. After nine is half off. <laughs> nine to eleven is half price appetizers. I guarantee if I added up all the money I've spent in chicken figures in my life, it's over a thousand dollars. It has to be. Oh, yeah. uh, counting that St. Olaf tuition. So here's the thing Easy. is that of course we both panic and we say, uh uh, because it's Friday night, right? We we've been planning on doing this karaoke. We are excited to do it. If we say no, we're gonna get booted out and now there's nothing else to do on a Friday night. This is like we've been looking forward to karaoke. So what's you know, okay, so maybe two hundred and seventy dollars. So all of a sudden we are now get a bottle of whiskey. Like it was not that special. And all of a sudden they come in. Right. So we're like, all of a sudden we're singing. Of course I'm doing karaoke songs. I'm replacing whiskey baby back ribs. Right. It was a whiskey glaze. (laughs) Oh, chicken whiskey glaze. Jack Daniels, honey, honey, Jack Daniels glazed on the ribs. (laughs) Can you imagine how much, you know, when Applebee's did that stuff, how much whiskey do you think they really used at their barbecue sauce? Do you think they were like one drop, one drop. We've spent hundred thousand dollars on this whiskey. We this is a terrible idea. Who, who you, wanted you, to do you this? You spend more in one bottle at Bottle Night at the karaoke bar than than the whole <laughs> Applebee's chain spends bottle in whiskey. Over this, is not, this is not known as Bottle Night. Okay, this is not Bottle Night. This is just a miscommunication by Jenny. Um, so the thing is, is that now <laughs> we're not they blaming. run. They now run in, and of course Jenny wants to get the fruit plate. Okay, we don't even get the fries. So what the hell? Worst night of my life. So now your bottle of Jim Beam in a, in a fruit plate. <laughs> is it just a bunch of apples? Like it's just the fruit plate is just apples from Jenny's backpack. She's like, I picked these myself. What? <laughs> Those little bags you get with the coffee meals or whatever. She is going to be so mad when I play her select parts of this episode where Aaron is making fun of her. Oh my God. She's going to be furious. So then I, uh, they come in with the bottle, right? And, and meanwhile, like I'm singing like Katy Perry, you know, uh, fireworks or something. So it's always embarrassing to have people serve you, but I'm replacing a lot of the lyrics with Jenny made us pay $270, right? I'm doing that bit where like (laughs) making Jenny feel bad on her night out for, uh, tricking us when easily I could have said, Oh no, we're not doing that. But instead I shirked my responsibilities almost immediately. 
And so they come in, bottle is open. They have a firework on top of the bottle that is spraying out sparks, right? Oh, so yeah. they come in, they've got an ice it's bowl. one of those birthday cakes that you get at, at Chili's and Applebee's, <laughs> right? Where they come out with like a little spark on top. Hey, whose birthday hey. is it? Happy, happy birthday, birthday, birthday. birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. Hey. Hey. You guys might be right. This might be like a Shutter Island type experience where like, I think we had this great night. And in fact, these are all just separate things that happen at Chili's. But I'm like, well, I can't be paying you know, four and a half thousand dollars a month in rent and then go to Chili's. Like, that's crazy. I must have done something very fun in New Yorker. I didn't even get a buzz off all those, those uh, whiskey oh, wings. Well, so I'll tell you what. So the whiskey comes top is off, right? They take the firework, they leave. Jenny has six shots of this whiskey and says, her. it says, I don't feel anything. I don't think. And I oh, realized that down. Not, not only did they give us a bottle of whiskey, it is watered down no. to like a fourth. So then can I, can I, I, I got to pause you though, Rob. Why? Uh, I mean, sure, go ahead. Possible, <laughs> is it possible that? I meant to say, okay. Is it possible that you guys noticed the top was off when it came in and then convinced yourself, hey, they'd done something for this. So you're going into it, convincing yourself they've done something to it before you've ever had a drink of it. Oh, well, there were, I can tell you for a fact, there was definitely some whiskey in there. Like mm-hmm. there was some, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, Jenny had six shots and she didn't feel anything like that's unheard of. She's a congratulations to everyone on this podcast for hearing about the top being off so many times and not making a top is off joke. Really mature stuff, guys. This is, we're really going for that NPR audience. So sure enough, I listen, I know that there was, there was some alcohol, but it was definitely watered down. So now yep. we're, we're on the hook for two seventy. At least we have an hour of karaoke. So I'm, we're doing uh, Aerosmith. We're doing, Nicki Minaj and I know all the rap parts we're doing and we're actually having a great time. Like it's fun and we're having drinks and we're like, Hey, listen, 270, like we can, we can swing that. It's not going to be a big deal. Bring it. We asked for some diet Coke as a mixer. Cause all the mixers are free. Of course, and that's definitely not going to change later in the story. And so we, we are there and they, they come in and they say, do you want more than an hour? And we say, absolutely not. When an hour's up, let us know. We'll be done. They leave for 15 minutes. Next thing I know, we've easily been there an hour and a half. No doubt about it, like hour and a half. So I go, listen, I do what guys got to do sometimes. Sometimes you got to stick up and you got to say enough is enough. I'm not going to get scammed. And so I said to Jenny, hey, go out there and talk to these guys and figure out why (laughs) we haven't been kicked out of this room yet. And she's out there for like 10 minutes. Meanwhile, you know, I'm hitting. You know, what was a really fun karaoke song was uh, Weezer. Buddy Holly. It was a great song. There's Absolutely. a lot of harmony in there. Oh, yeah, that, a, yeah, good choice. Yeah. Yeah, so good Jenny, choice. Is, Jenny is out there arguing with the people because it turns out that because we stayed in there, they said, okay, listen, we'll charge you. Here's the bill. It's for two hours. So that 270 by the time we got the bill yes. with taxes, they charged us. They wanted to charge us for two hours. They said, oh, no, we'll knock it down to an hour and a half. Jay said, no. They knocked it down to an hour. So they're still charging us $10 a person. Plus the 270. Then they tried to charge us for our mixers. And Jenny said, no, we're not paying for the mixers. You said you weren't. Then with taxes and fees, turned into a $485 bill. Ouch. So I think there was some of those service charges in there, Russell, for sure. And that was with tip included. (laughs) And so I was. Oh, the tip's already in there then. At least you know what you're paying. So so how does it work when you get a bill like this? Do you and your friends, did they sign up for something like this or? Now, are they on the hook for half of it or how does it work with well, a so, bill like that? How so do you we just, it? We just gave them the card. We were like, okay, listen, to, to, to somehow this $40 night went from $40 to literally 
times the cost. It went to $485. It was an insane expense for an hour and a half of singing the dumbest karaoke songs you've ever heard in your life. So we uh, went home and we protested the bill with American Express and we paid them 40 bucks. That's it. We didn't have to pay any of the rest what? of the bill. Wait, oh, that's yeah. clever. We called oh, American wow. Express and we said, hey, this was a scam. Because it, it was, it's a soft scam. It's not like a scam of like, oh, dig this. Oh, I gotta, I gotta stop you. This Ooh. is kind of bullshit. You guys could have easily walked away <laughs> when they told you the deal. This is bad. I like <laughs> this. This is Rob's Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm immunized, but not I'm vaccinated immunized. moment. What the heck? You guys went in. They told you clearly what the deal was, and you could have easily no. said no. You Abs- drank their, you drank their liquor. Absolutely, left not. an empty bottle, guys. I am kind of a Christ figure in the story. Okay, I'm actually <laughs> a hero for thinking <laughs> of not paying, not asking American Express to not pay for this. This was a scam. We went in expecting to pay for it. Listen, we still no, paid them no, forty you bucks. You walked in, and they said this is the deal. You didn't read the agreement, and then you said, "Okay, we agree to the deal. We're going to come in anyways." No, we so I would even pay I would have even paid 270. But they then still did the tent the reservation and all the stuff and they watered down the drink Russell. Enough is no enough. Wonder, no wonder I've got to pay 22% service fees cuz fucking assholes like you don't pay anything <laughs> when you go and shit owe 400 bucks. No, no wonder think, people aren't making a living wage. How many entry level analysts at American Express got laid off to pay for Rubs? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> rubs protested charge. Every time, like I refuse to feel every bad. Every time you protested the charge, they just say, like, oh, nope, that we just laid off another 10 people who just started last week. That's it. Mm. Did you did you protest your Chili's bill too or not? Like the $29.95? <laughs> did you protest that one too or not? I thought we were gonna get mozzarella sticks and onion rings on the appetizer sampler. We only got one. I'm not paying for it. I mean, we probably do need to do an entire episode on Russell's extensive knowledge of the Chili's menu and prices. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear more about this. Uh, I, I do say that Russell, though, has I did see him write down something that said, call American Express RE Rolling Stones shirt. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just say like the last few years of my dating life has been a complete disaster and get my money back for all charges? <laughs> Worth a try, man. If you think Rob is right for canceling the American Express charges and kind of a hero, okay, uh, text in Rob is a hero to 218. Uh, what was it again? Two. Oh, 802. Oh, man. Jeez, 802. Rob, oh, Rob's going to give his personal number out. Eight, oh, no, that, that's, I'll get it edited out. 802-277-BECK. Okay, Rob is a hero if you think I did the right thing. Uh, if you think Rob was wrong, text in Aaron is a loser. Aaron is a loser to 802-277-BECK if you think Rob was wrong. And I know that might be tempting. You want to text in Aaron's a loser? Put Aaron is a loser exclamation point if you're just texting it in unrelated to this story. If I gotta say, I'm, I'm going to say this directly to all our listeners out there. If you think Rob is right in this, you are a dumb shit and you can just <laughs> stop following us and stop listening. We don't need you. You can still download. You just don't have yeah. to listen. Just go don't ahead and listen. download, but don't listen. Yeah. Listen, I'm a, I'm I'm a hero of the story. Russell, rolling going. How's it going with you? Well, fuck. I went out to New York and spent a bunch of money, and now I feel like I shouldn't have had to pay any of, any of it. <laughs> so I was out. I did actually. I was out in, in New York for work. I ended up meeting up with Rob and Jenny for a night. But one mm-hmm. of the things I, I got a kick out of this on the way out there, I was on a flight, and I've, oh. I've complained about flights before. I had two amazing flights. Have you guys ever been on flights that are like a quarter full? You're not yeah. sitting next to anyone. Wow, is there anything marvelous. better than a flight marvelous. that's less than half full? No. Fantastic. That's a Be lot of Russell fire. time. Just do what you want. That's <laughs> that's so good. Did you do the lie across all the seats? Like just strap up the middle seat belt and take a little nappy nap? 
I did not do that, but there was a guy a few seats in front of me and he was getting into some disagreement with the flight attendant. And at some point she just kept kind of telling him about something. I don't know what he was doing or putting up in in the overhead bin, but she kept saying like, no, no, you can't do that. And then finally she, she said, listen, sir, these are the rules. They are not my rules. They are the rules. And then she looked at him and he was wearing kind of like a camouflage jacket. And she goes, do you follow the rules when you're hunting, sir? Well, then you oh. can follow the rules when you're on the plate. And I was like, good for Ooh. you. That is badass. I like that. Yes. Meanwhile, he pulls out a giant elephant tusk and he's like, uh, 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 switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, I'll, I'll, I'll often like, you know, you, they, they cram you to the front, right? So everybody wants to be in. And then if you look to the back sometimes, these guys, that's here, where all the empty going. seats are at. Yep. Right. And I have a, a, a number of occasions. And like, can I just go sit back there? And they're like, yeah, have at it. And you go back there, you get a whole row to yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pro tip, just take a look to the back of the plane every once in a while. And you probably see some empty rows. Have you ever taken an empty row and then put on all three movies at one time? Right. So you're watching all three <laughs> movies on the three different seats. And then you find nude scenes in all different movies and then pause it on all three TVs. <laughs> So just Rob has done yeah, that? Every time the attendants walk by, they're looking at you, just looking at three like nude scenes from different movies paused. It's like, uh, well, they're just paused? They're just, yeah, they're, just, no, they're just paused. So you're just staring at them and you do that the whole flight. Still life. Oh, like this is art. Yeah. And then you're drawing, but you're not drawing that. You're just drawing a huge boner. Like you're not even drawing the scene. You're just drawing something totally different. Guys, think about it. I don't fly as much guys, as you guys, but guys. I think that's a good idea. Hey, Rob, can you put your, you, you got to take your earphones out. I got to talk to these okay, guys. Okay, I will. Guys, we, we've taken too much time between episodes again. We have to get, yes, we yeah. have to start going a little bit more regularly so Eight Rob days. can get all this stuff out. Too this much. Just, 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 it's just, he, it's yeah. overload today. I know, it's, it's just like overload. when you wait too long and then it hits the wall and you're like, oh, that was, that was too much. Too many days between. Between what, Rosie? You get it. <laughs> Rob, you're good. Rob, 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 come out, come on back, Rob. All right, I'm back. What were you guys talking about? I'm sure good things about me. Uh, We're calling you an asshole for not paying that bill. (laughs) Guys, you can do it with everything. I'm doing it every day now. It's fun. It's fun to call American Express. So I was in New York uh, before, before the, the first night I got there, I actually, I found a cool restaurant to go to. It was the restaurant that chef Tom Colicchio, the main guy on top chef actually became famous at. It was called Gramercy Tavern. And I Love went there, it. Matt, and I got something you would have loved. It was a meatloaf, French a dip. duck meatloaf. Oh, Matt. Oh, and I was God. like, Matt is the meatloaf guy. He will get a kick I out of this. And how was it? Anything for duck. <laughs> <laughs> the duck meatloaf was great. And so I was actually going to go meet a friend that lived out in New York because Rob had said, hey, um, we had planned to meet on Tuesday, but he had texted me earlier in the day on Sunday and said, hey, um, what if we we could meet up and watch the Vikings game at some point? Yeah. And so this is at you know six o'clock or you something. Don't have to tell all of our stories from the weekend. So, I mean, we so, can skip some stories. So we have probably. a tentative plan to meet up at eight, and then I get a text from Rob, and he bailed on me. Oh. He bailed on me because I think he had had too much fun during Halloween with his kids earlier in the day. Rob, too many that's Snickers. Up. Or maybe this, I get, you know, now that I think about it, maybe he just couldn't afford to go out because he hadn't gotten that bill cleared. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, Rob, Rob, yeah, you it's bailed all on me. What, what happened? Why did you bail on me? We set up a table outside, uh, as my community does for Halloween, and I was giving out candy. And it's just one of those things, you know, you're giving out candy and you get way, way, way too drunk while you're doing it by accident. Okay. And it's not even your fault because kind of other people who are handing out candy maybe brought too much whiskey with them 
And because you got nervous handing out candy, you drank it the whole time. And by the end, you were way too drunk to see your friend who had flown in from Minnesota. <laughs> and I could just go down there and see him and hang out. But instead, I uh, did that classic gag. <laughs> so anyways, I ended up kind of exploring a little bit New York that night. I went to my conference the next day. And then I decided I needed to go check out a sporting event in New York. I went to Madison Square Garden for the first time. I saw a Knicks wow. game. The world's yes. most famous arena. Have you guys ever been to MSG before? I have not one been. Time. One yeah, time. One time. I have been. not been. What did you see there, Aaron? I saw Knicks Hawks back in uh, 2006 or seven when uh, Gallinari was made. I think Gallinari might have made like five threes. It was very, and, very fun. And, wow. And what and a, Rob, what an exciting game. Some, you've been for some sporting events. Rob, have you ever seen a concert at MSG or not? I saw Elton John there. Mm, I saw Adele there. You know, no big deal. This is kind of my average day in New York when I'm not drinking too much hand and out candy or going to karaoke bars and then not paying the bill. <laughs> or, ch- <laughs> or Chili's. So the Knicks game, the Knicks game was fun. But one of the coolest things about being in Madison Square Garden, Rob, you would have known this, but I, I didn't know they did this. But did you guys know that Billy Joel actually has a retired jersey in Madison Square Garden? So they've got no. like Mark Messier's jersey, Patrick Ewing's jersey, like all the famous Knicks and Rangers that have played there, all the retired jerseys. And Billy Joel has a retired jersey with the number 73 up in the rafters. Oh, number 73. So um, many, many years ago, he got like the number 12 retired because he had like 12 sh- sold out shows, which beat um, Springsteen's record at Madison Square Garden, like 12 in like 12 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out he was doing like a monthly show at MSG, which stopped during the pandemic. And I think he just did one last night, but he's sold out 73 consecutive monthly shows if you take out the, the pandemic. So that was just amazing. And then when I was leaving, I got to see they have the piano that he had his hundredth sold out performance ever at Madison square garden, like in a case out in front of MSG it was really cool. Wow. So that, that, that was really to, when, awesome. When do we get to Billy Joel on the list? Not to like the two hundreds, maybe it's gotta be, no. be songs in the attic or the stranger gotta be on there. Right. Sorry. I don't mean to derail the podcast. No, it, it was fun. But so the next game when we get to Billy Joel, next game was fun. Billy Joel seeing all that stuff <laughs> was cool. But then I finally, Rob finally sobered up. Um, he got his refund from American Express. And so I went and met Rob and Jenny and we had a very nice dinner. We, um, we went to a champagne bar. They took me to Washington Square Park, which is kind of down by NYU. It was really fun. And then we, uh, we went to a champagne bar, which was nice. And then we went to a comedy club. And um, I was told that Al Franken, the former Minnesota senator, mm-hmm. was going to be the headliner at this club. Yeah. We get to the we get to the club. We're sitting there. We're having a great time. All the comics are really funny. It's a great show. Really cool bar. Thanks, for Rob and Jenny, for taking me there. And then the end gets there. This woman goes up, does her set. Show's over. No Al Franken. He just no-showed. What was the deal, what? Rob? I, I heard he resigned. Okay. And everybody said, well, maybe it's not a good idea that you resigned from doing the show. And he was like, actually, I probably should. And then it turns out it's maybe a bad idea that he did that. But. Yeah, he was not there. So we did not get to hear uh, the humor uh, of Al Franken reprise such great characters as Pat. Huh? Who would want to see him do Pat in today's mm. atmosphere? I think that'd be so good. I was huh? really excited because I saw that picture of you guys and I recognized the champagne you were drinking from the label. But no one no one should be concerned about the amount of champagne oh. that I consume <laughs> in my house. That's like me. That's like me handing out Halloween candy. Be like, ooh, that's a very fine vintage. I like that butterfinger. Like, and Aaron's doing that with champagne bottles. My God. But now I got. I got to ask Rob. One, we could have just gone to Chili's if I would have known this was up here in Jenny's alley. We could have saved some money. It's true. But then second, now I'm wondering because I think when we were there, we kind of split bills. We took turns buying drinks. We split bills the whole time or whatever. But now I'm wondering, like, did you guys pay anything for this night, Rob? Or were you just on on, on the house? 
<laughs> He's just out there on American Express is done. We would <laughs> no when I get, home without it. When I get a fair thing, a fair like treatment and a fair, then I pay it. When I get scammed, I don't pay it because I am smart. I'm kind of like Einstein level smart, like super smart. But guys, I'll tell you, Russell, if you want to have somebody visit your hometown, Russell is one of the greatest guests you could possibly have come visit yes. you. He is so good. When you have been married to somebody oh. for a long time, listen, going out with them, sometimes you just start having drinks and you're just looking at each other and you're like, I don't want to talk about the kids. I don't want to talk about powerlifting anymore. Russell is there to save the day. He once again, it was like going on a date with Russell. It was so funny. He is such a great conversationalist. It was a lot of fun. Thank, thank you guys for, for taking me out. Everyone should invite, all of our listeners should invite Russell to their town. It will, it will make you see your own, own town in a new, in a new light. Agree with Rob. Yeah, I, I, I will say, Aaron, um, uh, do you want to come out sometime to New York? Well, I'll take you to the comedy cellar. You're the only guy who hasn't been with me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be I'm there. so busy. I just have so much <laughs> stuff going on. I'm, I'm kind of packed. I, sorry, Aaron. I'm just like, oh, is it Halloween? Oh, I handed out candy. Can't quite uh, do it. But It's, it's far too a- late for this. But I, I, the point I wanted to make last week in last week's episode that I forgot to make, which was oh God. The, crowd, the crowd noise in and the crowd interaction in the James Brown show was like the opposite of a heckler. Like we talked about, like you don't go to yeah. a comedy show to hear mm-hmm. a heckler heckle. Yeah. But the crowd giving it to James Brown and James Brown giving it back and them cheering him on. Like, that's what you want to hear. Like the kind of crowd you want to be a part of, which is why I want to be a part of this podcast. It's a, it's a, you know, positive environment. Everybody cheering each other on. Speaking of hey. positive environment, I'm excited to hear about your rolling going here. And so, Hey Matt, rolling going. How's it going? With you? <laughs> yeah, please, 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 please like tell this. us Matt. Uh, pretty good. You know, I think hey. I, I've, hey. I've started please. growing. Please. As a uh-huh. as a as a parent, um, one of the most stressful the most stressful like five minutes of my life that I figured out is after swimming lessons when you got to get the kids out of their suits into regular clothes mm-hmm. and and going because six year olds they can't get their pants on grease lightning can't too, right their, you're trying to help forget it yeah you're trying to help all this stuff so I figured it out I figured out the best thing to do. And you're trying to show them how to use the air dryers in the locker room, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no down there, no up. Yeah, down you got to put the leg up high. <laughs> yeah, got to get, got to get some. Hit, you got a little bend in there. You got to get a little lean. Yeah, in there. you guys play parachute at school, right? You know what this is like. Come on. No, but so I, I figured I just just set the clothes out and just shove the kids in the locker room. And just say you guys figured out. I'll be out here when you're done. Let me know when you're done. And so it, it was the greatest thing, you know, and so instead of stressing about being, you know, guys, we got to get out. Let's get, let's move. Let's move. Let's go. I'll just sit out there and I'll just wait 10 minutes and, and go. So you, I you don't know. know. My daughter does swim meets now. Right. And so we have to yep. wait for her to come out afterwards. And it's the worst because one time we were, we waited like 25 minutes after she was done swimming, did not come out of the locker room, did not come out of the locker room. Finally, she sauntered slowly out. And I was like, what are you doing? We've been waiting out here forever. We want to go. We got to catch a train, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, they had a sauna. So I went and sat in the sauna for like 10 minutes. Then I took a nice long shower and I was like, Pro God, you're just like me. This is the worst thing possible. This is terrible. <laughs> Relaxing while people are waiting for you. Absolutely ridiculous. Power move. <laughs> so, no, I've, I've decided there's, there's times in life to kind of get angry and, and there's other times to just throw the kids into a, into a locker room. Yep. And then just sit outside and smell the roses and just enjoy the nice but, sunny. But what's day. the time so. limit, Matt? Like if they hit a 25 minute mark, are you marching in there and using your dad voice or there's got to be a time limit, right? No, it, it's not so much the time limit is this is just there's so many other people around. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's my and that's my that's my that's on me. Like I just 
I can't stand when people, you know, like if you're walking down a hallway, right? Like Uh-oh. stay to the fucking right side of the road, Uh-oh. right? Don't walk to the left. Things like that. Someone you know, things like that. So, the worst. so just as long as they're being somewhat respectful of other people and of other people's, you know, space and staying out of the way and hold the door open, things like, you know, I don't know. So that's what I, I just need to go outside. Just let it all happen. Cause it's not a big deal that everybody else has got their kids are, We've got the same issues going on. Nobody holds the doors. Nobody's, you know, everybody's getting in everybody's way. And so, no, I've just, I've, I, I've a new, new lease on life, guys. New, new approach. If you want more okay. space in a men's locker room, I highly recommend having two daughters and bringing them into change during swimming. <laughs> uh, guys, grown men who are naked will get out of that section of the locker room almost immediately when they see two young girls walk in. They will run away and you have the whole area to yourself. It's great. And it's good parenting. I wish the whole world could see Russell's face right now. That is <laughs> absolutely the highlight of this podcast. Oh, I'm telling so you, they, I would weaponize them. They were like my shields. <laughs> I told you, did I ever tell you guys about the time when I, somebody stole my phone from Goodwill? Did I ever tell you about that? No. I was in Goodwill. What did you give it to Goodwill for? I was in Goodwill. Well, yeah, my kids did. So I was in Goodwill looking for clothes as I do. And of course the girls want to look at the toys. So I said, okay. And the other girl wanted to use my phone and watch videos. I said, okay. Get back in the car. I said, hey, give me my phone back. She goes, I don't have the phone. I said, well, where is the phone? She goes, I think I left it in Goodwill. So I go in there, right? Not in the toy aisle, gone. So of course I go home, get on my computer, do the find my iPhone. It's at somewhere totally different. It's at a house, right? So I go, girls, go get it. I'm by myself. Jenny's at work. So I'm like, girls, get in the car. We're going. And meanwhile, my girls are like seven and five, right? So they're tiny. So I get in the car. This is for like, looking back now, this is for like an iPhone 4. This would be worth approximately $2 right now. You go out and you get that fucking phone. So I went there, pull up the house, cars all out in the front lawn, fenced in area, you know. So I come in, I'm I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I know my phone is in this house, but I don't know. So I put my seven-year-old in front of me because I'm like, okay, well, if something bad happens, I don't want them to grow up without me. So I'm going to put them in front. So we're all in it together. You know what I mean? Like once again, just like I tossed the, the, the waitress to my wife, I used my, I put both kids in front of me and they came out and they, and I said, excuse me, did you pick up a phone from Goodwill? And the guy goes, Oh, um, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me get it. And I, and, and he gives it back to me. No case case is gone. And I said, where's the case? And he goes, oh, uh, we, we threw it away. And I go, whatever. And I walked away. I felt so tough. But looking back, I'm like, oh, he could have easily just come out and been like, no, I'm going to beat you up now. You're on my property. And I, my kids would have had to watch me get beaten up by a phone thief in Goodwill. So that story was worth the time. Uh, Aaron, rolling, going. Aaron. Oh, my God. Aaron's last. This is a disaster. This is, last. A, this is yeah. poor planning on my part. I'm last. And this is, yeah. I mean, I, so this week is important to me. So I've, I'm going to say I've got a parenting rolling, going also. And Matt and sometimes I this week are maybe. You're last. And sometimes when you're last, you're first. And sometimes when you're first or last, you're actually in the middle, Aaron. Think about it. See, this is the kind of wisdom that I come here for. I used I used to go to John Coltrane for this, but now I come to you guys. Matt and I might be the yin and yang of the parenting on this podcast, but so as you guys That's know, what this calling my penis. Sorry, this episode is my Super Bowl, just like Voodoo was my Super Bowl and Wu Tang was my Super Bowl yeah. and the White Album was. That's my the Super thing, Aaron. Bowl. We don't have much time to talk about the music. We got to get through it like in five minutes. Sorry, about that. that's our band. Six minutes. Love this album and. Uh, as we referenced earlier, it's been about eight days since we recorded. So that that means I got to listen to Love Supreme every day for a week, multiple times a day. Also, the new live version came out, which we're going to discuss. So all week, I just wanted to be more like John Coltrane, who we know 
was wanted to be a saint and by all accounts was a wonderful man, very patient with everyone. So that was my goal all week. But uh, on Thursday, for reasons I may or may not get into later, uh, we had a terrible, terrible pickup from daycare. I picked up my son. Oh everything Uh-oh. was going wrong. No. Now, let me ask you, did you try yelling at them and then apologizing to them later? I think that's a great just, move. I've used it a number of times. First thing, I walk in to pick him up. He ran straight up and punched me in the nuts. So that's <laughs> oh. like off, off to a bad start. Well, like on purpose or was it supposed to be a hug or what was unclear, it? Unclear, unclear, because he does get kind of stoked. And so like he gets a little bit yeah. crunk at pickup time. So like, I don't know, but it, like... Ran up and punched me in the nuts. So off to a bad start. Okay. Now was this now was this orphanage. a punch in the nuts that were was it a down like bend over punch in the nuts or was it one where it's like, ooh, this is gonna hurt in about thirty seconds or is it just kind of a glancing <laughs> blow but it still doesn't look good. It was good a glancing blow but it was like a it was like a shot across the bow. It was yeah. like the kind where like I knew like okay the next half hour of my life is not gonna be easy. So <laughs> oh, no, this is horrible. Right. Yeah. Not so great. from there. From there, we're trying to leave. Another family comes in. We're going to chat about life in general. And he takes off down the street, out the Uh-oh. out the door, which is in like a residential neighborhood, but still he's four. Right. He goes running down the street. He's hiding behind a bush on the street. Mm-hmm. I finally, you know, and I'm trying not to be hysterical dad. And you so don't want to get like close. Cool. I mean, you just got hit in the testicles already. You don't want to have right. it again. Yeah, you got to keep your keep distance. distance. Yeah. So I, you know, I try to play it cool, but he's like, he's trying to escalate. I can see he's trying to escalate. He eventually picks up some rocks, throws those at me. Then like, I eventually have to wrestle him into the car seat in front of the daycare. So of course, (laughs) the preschool. So of course I'm looking around. And he did toss Aaron around for 10 minutes. That's the part Aaron's missing is that he did beat up Aaron for about 10 minutes until Aaron finally has a little more aerobic endurance, had the upper hand. Look at Matt just sitting back and laughing, knowing his kids are past this age. Look at him just sitting back, relaxed, and knowing he doesn't have to do that again. So by the time we actually get into the car, I am fully, I'm on 10. I'm a race car on red. I'm so angry. And I'm thinking about, I'm walking around, I get him into the car. So I have a chance to walk around to the front of the car and think about what's my reaction going to be. Am I going to yell? What am I going to do? So I did my version of driving home real fast, which is, (laughs) oh no, I turned up the jazz radio station really loud. There you go. (laughs) So I got in the car by that point, he was kind of cooled off. So he was trying to tell me about bullet ants or bullet fly. Is this a thing? Bullet ants? Oh, yeah. I think bullet he might ants. They have the big head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's trying yeah. to tell me about bullet ants. And I was they, like, a lot of I'm people don't realize this, right but now. bullet ants, one of the things they do is they actually go up to the queen and punch them right in the nuts when they see them. So that's, that's probably where they got it from. <laughs> and I, I, ironically, I'm, I'm fairly certain when I went home, like later, once I cooled off, they're like, and spoiler alert for everyone out there, this did not. It was not a success. This was not a successful parenting move. The next hour was still terrible at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should have just shown him some more compassion and listened about the bullet ants to begin with. Uh, I'm pretty sure when instead I got home cranking and checked, up, Instead of cranking up a 10-minute bass solo on the album. I can't hear you. I think, I'm fairly certain that the track that was on the radio was by Ravi Coltrane. I'm pretty sure. Like When I got home and checked the, the jazz yeah. playlist, I was like, oh, that was a Ravi Coltrane so no, Every time so he hears was, Coltrane, he's going to be triggered, like some sort of born identity thing. John Coltrane trying to tell me to chill out, be more kind. So uh, this week when we made our um, Thanksgiving turkeys about what we're thankful for, I got John Coltrane on my... Nice. Little, uh, yeah, I put John Coltrane on my little feather about what I'm thankful for in this in this world. Aaron just moved the camera and one of the turkeys was punching another one of the turkeys in the nuts. So I think this might be a thing like this might be something you have to address. So, Aaron, your your cool down moment is you you listen to jazz real loud. Matt or Rob, do you guys have cool down things? What's what's your trick to put yourself in a more peaceful state when you're not having a good day? 
There is no trick. I'm furious. No? I'm furious <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. I'm so mad. <laughs> and then I, the only thing I can do is apologize to my kids after. And I say, listen, I'm sorry. I got mad. I shouldn't have done that. I did that. Yeah. I did yeah. do that too. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't apologize for some kid punched me in the nuts. Never apologize for that, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I've done, Rosie, is, you know, your kid wants to then talk to you about everything. And I, and I would, I just shut it. I say, look, like Eddie, my, my youngest who's six more than anything. It's like, Eddie, I can't talk to you right now. You are unbelievably rude to me. <laughs> yeah. You yes. know, yeah. You know, things yeah. like this. And like, you are completely against, you were, that was against the rules. That was rude. I do not appreciate that. I can't talk yeah. to you right now. I'm going to catch know, up That's all he wants to do is talk to you about the bullet ants, right? Right. And if he doesn't get to talk to you about bullet ants, well then maybe he'll learn. I don't know. It, it's we'll see. I mean, we'll of, see who, we'll see who ends up uh, coming out on but top I, of that one. So I mean, yeah, that was it. That honestly, was I think that's a good way. That's a good way to have them see that like their actions have consequences. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like, yeah. You getting mad? It's like, oh, I'm I'm disappointed. I can't talk to you right now because I'm so upset. You made me upset, and you did this. And then you can do what I sometimes do, which is like, well, maybe when I die, you can come to my gravestone and say nice things to me and not punch me in the nuts. Maybe I can put a pair of nuts on my gravestone, and you can punch that uh, when your dad is dead and you really miss me. Actually, no. So that's a fun thing to do too. You might want to keep that in your quiver. I think that's a good one. I'm gonna keep that one in the back pocket. Hey, hey, yeah. if, they, if they can, if they can remake the bodyguard after Whitney dies, they they can get a stepdad after if they <laughs> oh. Rob picks the bucket. <laughs> That stepdad is not going to be as rich as Rob, though, because, you know, that stepdad will probably pay his bill on time instead of just backing <laughs> right. off. Right? I wonder if he's responsible. Like, what if American Express reverses that? And then this poor new bastard has to be responsible for that four hundred dollar bill. That will be their biggest problem marrying into this family is a four hundred dollar bill. <laughs> Definitely not a bunch Rob- of other shit they have to deal with that. Russ saw before this call started. Rob's kids will get to go to like a Bennigan's. They'll be so excited. It's like our dad only took us to cheap restaurants like, like TGI Fridays. And now we get to we get to upgrade to Bennigan's. I want you guys to notice at no point were my kids involved in that story because they were at home doing God knows what unknown. I ordered them sushi, which for them is rice and miso soup. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's get into the album. Yeah, let's get into the album for nobody's favorite part of the show. Let's this is Aaron's favorite part of the show for sure today, isn't it, Aaron? Every time, every time is my favorite part of the show, but tonight especially. Yeah, but we've we've run out of time. That's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. We got to wrap it up. Bad way to give him the wrap it up. Ben's got to figure it out. Wrap it up. (laughs) What if, guys? You know what would have been so funny? What if we, the three of us, my and Aaron, should have recorded this episode without Aaron, and then be like, "Oh, Aaron, sorry, we lied to you. It was actually four days." Ago, we talked about uh, John Coltrane or whatever. We didn't really like the outback. We didn't get it. Better. Yeah, we're just, we're just mute his ass out. You like just, you just didn't do. show up. You know, yeah. we, we had a plan. You just didn't show up. We just thought, well, we're not going to bug him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair. You, nobody, nobody needs to hear it. Other people have said far more intelligent things than I'm about to say about this album. But, but we're here. We are. So let's go for it. Jazz was always cool. Jazz was always the devil's music. That changed in 1964 when John Coltrane recorded a new album with pianist McCoy Tyner, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. A Love Supreme is a jazz album, but it's really a message of thanks and a devotion to God, the being from which Coltrane was convinced his musical ability came from. But to send a message to those on high, the journey started at the lowest point in Coltrane's life. Coltrane had recorded the seminal Kind of Blue, not Kind of Cool, with Miles Davis and was touring with him. However, in 1957, his dependence on heroin and alcohol made him an undependable bandmate, and Davis fired him after a live show. Coltrane claimed that God told him that getting cleaned up would allow him to fully access his musical talents, and while he was far from perfect, Coltrane acknowledged 
It was a love supreme that created this album. A sober Coltrane had total control over all aspects of this album, writing the liner notes for the album, including a poem which was discovered to correspond with the fourth and final movement of the album. The liner notes of the album have been examined like a holy book because there's no recorded interview of Coltrane talking about the personal importance of this album. In fact, while he only performed the suite live a couple of times, it was thought to have only been recorded once in France. But in October of 2021, a new recording from Seattle, the full version of A Love Supreme, was released. To say this album is cool is saying like the birth of a baby is cool. The word cool doesn't even begin to describe the impact that Love Supreme would have on jazz. This moved avant-garde jazz into the mainstream and forever represented the artist's greatest achievements. However, perhaps Coltrane's ultimate accomplishment was taking jazz away from Satan himself and creating one of the most powerful three-word devotionals ever. Let's listen to A Love Supreme. Guys, that was a really good one, don't you think? Oh, shut it down. Let's go great. for it. I'm, yep. I got nothing great to say. One. Let's just go. I copied most go of it music. from an NPR thing. All right, here we go. Hey, Matt, give him the sign. Give him the sign. <laughs> Wrap it up. I didn't look at you for that one. <laughs> I... I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'm not gonna talk too much because Rosie can speak way better. This, huh? this is it. I just. I. I can't describe why I like it. I don't know why I like jazz. But listening to just the start of this, I mean, it just again, this is a great start. You have no idea what's going. It feels like you're at the start of a concert. It feels like everybody's warming up to get rolling, and it just kicks right in. And the whole thing is just a phenomenal album. I don't know why. I can't explain why. But I am uh, I'm on your wavelength with this one, Rosie. This is just a phenomenal album. And you can And that's the thing I love about it. That's I'm not I don't have anything I'm not gonna talk about the the harmony or the the theory or the structure of, of these songs much because it's it's a feeling and it talks to me and I'm I love if other people feel the same way and if other people don't, I think that's cool too. I don't think that's what Coltrane cared about he wanted to give a message to to who he felt his creator was and everybody's creator so i i love that i this is not a um we're going to talk all up and down the theory behind this album because that's not that that's not what this music is it's it's just full-throated devotional and emotion rob i'm always worried that i'm dumb right that's always a big concern of mine is that i'm secretly dumb and i just do smart guy things because it's like what people expect me to do or like what i'm supposed to do and that's why i'm doing so many smart things all the time well, you, you know, you went to the Harvard of the Midwest. It so is, well, that's you're a pretty yeah. smart guy. That's true. Yeah. Aaron, am I supposed to know this is a song to God if there's not the liner notes and there's not what everybody has already done with this? Like, am I supposed no. to be able to tell the from the tone of the jazz itself? Um, no. no I, yes, well, I'm not dumb. But you, might, but you might. I knew it in your you face, might mom. feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have to know that. I, and, and it's hard to know now. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't know that when I first listened to it either. I, it's not something like it's a it's a thing that I remember. I didn't come to this album probably till the 2010s. And at the time I was working a desk job and going through like, all right, I need to, you know, put my headphones in and learn about jazz. So it was like this album. It was Mingus, Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. It was, you know, uh, Eric Dolphy out to lunch. Like I needed to learn jazz. And I didn't know that this was a spiritual was album. Monk. But I felt it. it. Yeah, Monk. It is so fucking funny to me that you're sitting, you're like, well, got a new job. Going to start my career. Uh, Better learn about jazz during this time. Better (laughs) better do something useful this time. Definitely going to learn probably one of the most complicated things of music that I could possibly uh, dedicate my life to here. So it's the thing that's like, you know, you don't know necessarily without reading about it that this was a song to God, but you, 
immediately when you learn that, it makes sense. Like you feel it. You, you understand this was a, a feeling that was bigger than humanity. So Aaron, is there a fancy term for these four notes that we hear over and over? Listen to the bass here, right? We keep hearing this. Like we hear this, is it a motif that we keep mm-hmm. hearing for yeah. the whole entire album? Would you say a motif yeah, is something it. a smart guy would say? Uh, I think I think a smart guy would call it a motif. Yeah. yeah, and it's what the whole thing is built on, and that's why. Oh man, that's why this isn't to me quite. Free, I mean, not to me. I think everyone would acknowledge this isn't this isn't quite free jazz. He went to free jazz within like six months of this recording, maybe even earlier. But there's a lot of structure here, and he's building on these little melodies off of this one well, simple phrase. And I think motif. That, that's kind of a dentist dream, right? I mean, motif. It's like yeah, babe. Um, more cavities. Okay, uh, let's. I'm going to pause. I'm going to let that breathe. Let the crowd laugh at that. Uh, now we have as this, so it's broken into four parts. We have acknowledgement, resolution, pursuance, and psalm. And this is Aaron. You picked out now. Aaron has picked out all the times. Now I do want to say this. Okay, Aaron is a Aaron is too sweet for this world to pick out all the times. He was he helped me out a ton. Very helpful. So let's wrap it up, right, Rob? Let's wrap it up. Get the, <laughs> the, the clothes. Uh, Great to see you guys. But I will Thanks for all the work you put into this. I appreciate it, Aaron. You're the I feel best. like we talked about it. Really, I think it's good. <laughs> we covered it. There's no no, no it's jazz. Hasn't said. <laughs> uh, next up, it's a fucking uh, you know journey or some shit. Who cares? So. Journey. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, that's gonna be funny. Back you gotta, to you gotta explain better. this to me. So, you've got ascension. I thought this was acknowledgement, resolution. What, there, what are the songs here? There, is there four songs, or what's happening on this? Yeah, this is one suite with four movements. But I did send Rob some other Coltrane tracks what, that I thought no, would be Aaron, interesting to Aaron, play. Aaron, you got to use phrases that normal people know. What, 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 what is, one song a, with four parts, or what is it? Yeah, I would. Say I mean, what, four no, movements. Would, it sounds like me at Taco Bell Cantina. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's like one composition with four parts. Yeah, so it's acknowledgement, resolution, pursuance, and psalm. Correct. Four songs. Four songs. Okay. And so are we talking about song one? Are we talking about a movement in song one now, or are we on to song two? I would say song one is also movement one. So now we're talking about another section of song one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron, you've listed this just as preacher. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I really, we're going to hear it here in a second. So I think, I and this is, so I will say that a lot of my thoughts about this album are not my own thoughts. I've done a ton of reading from Lewis Porter and Ashley Kahn and some guy who was on Heat Rocks about this. But a lot of people compare Coltrane's mannerisms, his gestures his sound to that of a preacher and to me that's the first spot on the album where he really goes to that place where he's he's not just making beautiful sounds with his horn anymore he's he's making sounds that uh haven't been heard before and i've just scratched the surface of a reading about this where he was like super selective about his the read reads he was choosing and the ways he was making sound and so um I didn't hear that the first time I ever listened to this or the first hundred times I listened to this, but his cadences, his gestures, it's this kind of thing of, of in church, it's a preacher building to a climax and taking him back down. And that for me was the first spot on the album where you kind of hear him like get ecstatic in terms of, uh, you know, his expression. When I played alto sax in middle school, I was also very selective about my reads. Like I didn't want to play any of them. So I tossed all that shit away. I never practiced. And then I stayed at fourth chair for the year until they essentially asked me not to come back. So me and John Coltrane were like peas in a pod. Yeah, I was making sounds that nobody had ever heard before. You would have loved it. Yeah. Russ is like, what's the motif of this song? 
I'm telling you, I think this is the only podcast where we talk about like lactose intolerance and you get smarter thinking about jazz. Like there's no other podcast that's going to give you this kind of stuff. Nobody else. Now I I do love at the end of this acknowledgement, he takes that same motif, right? And he plays it in every key, like all eight keys or 12 keys or whatever there is. Okay. And I know what the answer is. Yeah. 12. And I definitely, uh, I didn't say eight earlier that got edited out. Um, but you can hear it right here. He's switching. Oh, cool. And so it's kind of that whole idea of like, I, I think it has to do with like, oh, God can make this sound good like in any any way you want to do it. It's all these different ways we can do it. It's kind of hammering on that. Aaron's pointing at me. He's giving me a thumbs up. He's pinching his nipple super hard. So, Aaron, what do you think? 100% right. That's the, that's the theory. Right that he the decided he was going to play play the theme, the motif, in all 12 keys to show that God's everywhere. You had it. You, you nailed it, Rob. God's at Chili's, too. They've got like 12 different types of wins. They got dry rub. <laughs> They got Parmesan garlic. They, like, God is everywhere in the world, isn't he? Thai chili. Yeah. Yeah. bacon jerk. Yeah. And 12 keys. Is, sounds like the janitor at school, you know. So many keys. Huh? <laughs> ah, that chili's joke was way better. So now we have part two, resolution. This is song two. Song two, yeah. For the dumbasses, the, the dumb shits out there. Yes. Like, yeah. And uh, at least when I was choosing times, I wanted to give everybody in the in the quartet because the the band to me this is the greatest band ever assembled. So this is Jimmy Garrison doing his little bass intro to Resolution, and then when Coltrane comes in, you you know you know what it is. Ooh, oh, that's a moment, huh? Yeah, absolutely. This album has also made me realize thirty two minutes is about the perfect length of any album. I enjoyed listening to it because so I was quick. like, it goes by super quick. Yeah. This is also the one song, at least from what I read from Lewis Porter, this is the one song that was written maybe prior to the other songs. And so it was, the rest of them were sort of composed together, meant to fit together. And this one was maybe not going to be included and then was added later. And I love to think about Elvin Jones's place on this one and the way he does this kind of rolling mm-hmm. polyrhythmic thing where like you could have played this song with like a straight swing beat, just like a and he did something totally different with it which i thought was like very cool russell remember that in case you meet a drummer at a bar again okay something about elves something about elves playing uh swing i don't know what's going on elves in the woods are on the swings i don't know russell that uh that drummer you met was from philly right he was the, uh, John Coltrane spent like he spent his formative years in in Philadelphia. He was born in North Carolina, but he learned he learned uh, jaz and R and B in, in like Philly. Prep so school you can there, didn't he? Didn't he right. Prep yeah. school? I yeah. actually I actually bought that Philadelphia drummer a few drinks, but I'm thinking about canceling that bill and just saying like <laughs> I think he was from New Hampshire, not Philadelphia. This is not what I signed up for. Honestly, but Elvin was a Detroit guy, so don't make a mistake. Elvin was Detroit, but, oh, okay. but uh, I liked it last week when we were making fun of Russell all the time. That was more fun to me. All right, McCoy solo here. Yeah, you got to give it up for McCoy Tyner. I mean, he, he's he's the backbone, and I love the changes here. When this like is the Elvin, pianist, he's the pianist yeah. McCoy Tyner. Yeah. Would you say this is one of the biggest pianists in jazz? No. Oh, now we're back to Coltrane. Yeah, we yeah. Mm-hmm. I would no. say he's like a top ten, but he's not hey, a top. Hey Rob, five. what is what does Aaron call stuff. McCoy Tyner? Uh, he's a. One, oh, come on. <laughs> Aaron calls is what McCoy Tyner? Oh, oh God, you're making me switch around. Uh, so much, so much work. That's what I'm gonna start calling my penis. It's worth it though. That's gonna be edited together. It sounds so, so good. I think you know for, for this album. I, I don't. Again, I listen to jazz on a very surface level because I don't know how to play instruments. I don't know how to read music. Mm-hmm. I don't know how tough it is. 
to play this, you know, where they're going with all this stuff. I just like listening to it. That's all I know. Yeah. I I hear more out of this album than a lot of the other jazz that I hear, particularly with the saxophone is the piano, you know, throughout this whole thing is kind of the backbone to the whole album. That's what I like, you know, just even on the first song, Russell, the first song, you know, I mean, it, it, it seems pretty basic, the piano, it's kind of just a background, um, kind of more or less level setting everything. But that's what I think I hear more than anything, more than the saxophone is listening to the piano on this album. And that, I think it's great. So here they are bringing it. And now, now Russell, don't get confused, but the fourth song is called Psalm. Here's are we a, on the fourth <laughs> song or the no, second the, we're song? On the, well, the, there's only one the song. song. There's only one Psalm as a fourth song. Psalm starts with peace. Someone yeah. tell me before we get to the third song, I have a list before we get to the third song. <laughs> okay, well, you're, there. I'll tell you what, they're bringing it home here on the second. Let's listen to it. This is it. This is the end of the second song. Now, Aaron, I did listen to the Live at Seattle album, and I got to say, yeah. it's way different experience. It just came out a week ago, which is going to make this podcast blow up. I can't wait for all these listeners who want to hear John Coltrane, and so they slog through an hour of me not paying the bill at the karaoke bar to listen to us talk about jazz. <laughs> but it was I thought it was really, really different. I mean, way more wild solos, way more frenetic. Like, To be honest, if I would have expected to hear Love Supreme and sat at that concert, I would have been like, well, this kind of sounds like noise until you get about halfway through. It's... It's a lot more. It's a yeah, lot I think different. There, there, totally. I think there are two things about the live version. I think it. Um, so the live version has two other horns, which, uh, you know, at least according to Coltrane's notes, he always intended for there to be one other horn uh, and one other bass player in the in the group. And it just did, and, and actually on the second day. So he wanted it to be more horny. Is what you're saying. He wanted it more horny. Yeah, exactly. Okay. On the second. So like this was all recorded on December 9th, 1964. On the second day, he had Archie Shep also in the studio, so there was another horn. But uh, the live version has two things. One, the mic is so close to the drums that the whole thing is just Elvin just blowing up the whole thing. It's thunderous. It's roaring. It's like the scene in uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's Elvin is just going. <laughs> Elvins are going are you, crazy. Are you sure you're not. Are you sure you're not thinking of that Field of Dreams movie that, where they have the catch? Oh. Where Whitney Houston comes out and they have oh, the catch? Don't and then uh, the so other things that happen on the on the live version are that Pharaoh Sanders is there on tenor sax and Carlos Ward is there on alto. And basically, they just, Coltrane sort of gives them cues orally to just go off into the cosmos. So he kind of cool. plays the themes, he does his thing, and then they just like, they start making sounds that you wouldn't think a saxophone could make. And it's very much like this whole thing is much more like what John Coltrane experienced a love Supreme to be. And now when you go back to the studio version, yeah. after hearing that, you're like, Oh, this is kind of tame. Yeah. And I, well, and I think I was suspicious of the other saxophone players. Cause I heard them a lot of times, not even blowing. They were just doing this. I played the saxophone. I played the saxophone. And they were making those noises. And I was like, I've never heard that out of a saxophone before. Sorry. That sounded, that was way better in my head. I think, I think a better joke would have pulled that off. Sorry. Yes. McCoy Tyner was the pianist. Elvin Jones is the drummer. Yes. And when McCoy Tyner takes a piano solo, you can kind of hear the drums like slide back into a more traditional, you know, swing drum pattern. And then when Coltrane is playing, the drums are kind of like free to do what they want. He's not doing what's expected. He's accenting unexpected notes. He's playing, you know, four against three. And so at that point, the piano has to really hold down the rhythm of the thing. So I think, I, I think that's probably what you're hearing, Matt. But also you might just be hearing that like these dudes are really fucking good at what they do. And like, that's fun. 
Aaron, you are so, I am so, I am constantly impressed by how much you know. And it's such a disappointment that nobody is still listening to this episode. Oh, well, let's get to Russell's list. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's time. Uh-oh. Russell just woke up. Okay. So sorry, guys. I told you. No, I this is fantastic, Aaron, man. This is what makes Aaron, the podcast don't be sorry. fun. Is watching us get excited about albums. It's awesome. This is kind of like Aaron jacking off to a picture of himself, right? It's just like... <laughs> He's, he's wanted to do it for a long time. Away. Yeah, take your time, Aaron. Take your time doing it. Enjoy it. The one, Aaron, Watching you never mentioned Jimmy Garrison in that rant. The the double the double pianist, the, the double bass player. Is he the double bass player? The bass double player, pianist. Yeah. The double I, now, Aaron, I did see, yeah, I did see something player. like that online once. <laughs> my, my notes had Jimmy Garrison as the jazz double pianist, which means that I couldn't tell if he played the piano or the double bass. I had a mix up in my notes the somewhere. Bass, double bass, yeah. yeah. I see. I see a lot of double pianists on our Amazon orders, but Jenny and I share an account, so I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> if you guys notice, so at what I would consider song one and song two, I don't know what movements these are that Aaron would put these in. But the one thing I noticed at the end of song one, song one, one they end with song. the double bass. And yep. At the beginning of song two, they kind of have that double bass solo or the double bass intro at the beginning, right? Right. Yeah. Totally. So we've already talked about the double bass. We talked about a moog bass. We've never just talked about like the best bass openings for any song ever. Yes. So we're going to do a list yes. with the best bass openings. And these are not double bass songs. These are just normal bass guitars. So I, I couldn't do more double bass. It's too many songs where there's no words. This is like, <laughs> this is like one time I dropped a, I knocked into the table and all the flowers fell over and that, but that was a vase opening. That's different. So first song on the list is from 1973. <laughs> That's a polite laugh. When, when Rob doesn't want to pay, he calls the OJs and they sing for the love of money. Ooh, Check this song out. Oh, yes. Oh. Is that a, a great bass opening or what? That's not a guitar. This is a bass. It's a bass. So this is Anthony Ooh. Jackson playing the bass through a wah-wah pedal. Yeah. And he was actually told... When he bought the Wawa pedal, the person at the store told him it's not going to work. It's going to make you sound like a guitar. And it didn't. And so yeah. this ends up um, being like this big song. He becomes a very prominent uh, bass player for a long time. But the coolest thing, he said that he discovered jazz through the 1965 album John Coltrane Quartet Plays. So one of John Coltrane's uh, albums yes. was the inspiration for this guy who became like a really prominent bass player. Jimmy Garrison in that quartet. So there you go. I can't wait when yeah. we do the OJ's album at number 476 or whatever it is. And Russell breaks out another money, money, money parody song. <laughs> it's going to be so good. That song is 100% cinematic. Like you hear that song and you just like that. That has to be in a movie. It's It's been in how many movies we've seen. Right. And every time you hear it, you're just like. You picture that guy walking down the street because he just got the new job and he's wearing the new suit. Like it's just right there in your mind, guys. Do you yeah, remember? I knew Aaron was going to talk about that Donald Trump show, The Apprentice. I knew Aaron was going to talk about. <laughs> you're that. fired. Yeah, you're fired. Aaron's when Russ does that money, money, and money song. It's going to be like, do you guys remember ten years ago when we made those jokes about Dennis? Well, here's another money, money, money song about it. everybody's going to be like, what? Matt's Not to like, depress you guys. This list. Not to depress so you next- guys, but that, we'll get to that album like 2033. Oh no! Next song on the list from 1977. <laughs> your kid will be a college year and they won't be around to punch you in the nuts anymore. They're gonna be—they'll probably be married. We'll probably record that at your kid's wedding. I'll tell the nuts punching story. It's a good one. And don't forget he threw a rocket, Aaron. I think we didn't touch on that enough. Actually, that the kid threw a rocket, Aaron, caveman style. I mean, it was a small rock, but I mean, it, yeah, it could have hurt me. Next, next song on the list. We did a disco song a week or so back. We're doing another disco song. This is yes. Chic. Everybody dance. Check this one out. 1977. Session. Chic is such Jeez, good. Listen to that. Bass. 
Wow, that's pretty badass, isn't it? <laughs> How do you even do that? Well, I did this when I when I was playing bass, Aaron. This is kind of what I Yo. sounded like in the dorm room. I didn't sound like boom, boom, boom. I just sounded like you were like a tuba bass player. You were like a much cooler bass player, right? Yeah, this is kind of what it sounds like when I'm making love. It sounds like yeah. So I read actually about this. Nile Rogers, one of the guitarists for this, said that the first album he ever bought was Impressions by John Coltrane. Oh yeah. He said, I can't oh, yeah, remember he's... not knowing about jazz. It was almost like a religion. I didn't like religion, but I love music. When I was able to buy my own records, I bought this Coltrane album. The first chic song they ever wrote. Everybody dance was actually based on the piano from McCoy Tyner's in playing with John Coltrane. So there was inspiration Let's... for that song there, even though it wasn't necessarily the bass player. Oh, God. oh that's beautiful. Russell. Russell. Russell, how do you do this shit? This is amazing. Man. It's called Google. It's fantastic. Man, you and I are that's the dumb so ones good. on the podcast. We should hang out more. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next we song do, on the we list. Just don't tell them. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about this band on the list. Have we ever talked queen before? No, not yet. This is queen. Not Another enough. one bites the dust. Check out the, the bass opening on this one. Oh, and I, I don't know, does it count as like a solo or an opening if the drum plays with the bass or not? Yeah, I think so. I think a little bass and drum thing going on. Russell, we're going to the jury. They're giving us a thumbs up, Russell. It works. It works for your list. It's in. It's in. Mission, a, mission accomplished? Absolutely. <laughs> what is that so, right there? What is that that comes in? Is that like an airplane? It's got to be a synth, right? Some kind of, yeah. Oh. Okay, that makes more sense than an airplane. Carry on. <laughs> but one thing I was reading is so John Deacon was the bass player on that. And um, he also wrote the song and it turns out he was actually influenced by Sheik and the song good times. I don't know if you guys remember the song good times, yes. but it turns out that he was with the bass player from Sheik Bernard Edwards. And that's where they got the idea for this song was from a wow. Sheik song. God. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything's borrowed from something. You know, another interesting thing that came to copyright. I, I was wondering if you guys had ever heard this. So, uh, the song "Good Time" or the song what were you talking about? Another one bites the dust. In Rocky Three, they were going to use another one bites the dust in the movie. They couldn't get the rights for it, so they ended up using "Eye of the Tiger" instead. How wow. different would the Rocky movies wow. have been without "Eye of the Tiger" and another one bites the dust? Might might have. I mean, maybe they don't make it to Rocky Five without "Eye of the Tiger." I'm, I'm going to say something controversial seven. here. Well, how are they, where are they at? Okay. I don't think Survivor would have been as big of a band without that song being in Rocky. Okay? I just don't think they would have. Hot take. Yeah. Also, what ahead was that stupid CBS show that's been going on for like 30 years, right? Yeah, I haven't watched it because I was like, I know their hit song. You know, Jeff Probst is the lead singer now, but I think it's... Immunity idols and everything. Yeah. Rob, when you post this episode, the first line, make sure you okay. put it in there. You know, oh, hot God. take. Yeah. Survivor would not have been that big <laughs> without I have the time. Matt, you're a master yeah. of SEO. That's going to get us so many hits. Oh my yeah, God. I, I can't yeah, wait. I Combining John Coltrane, than... jazz and survivor could think of three right. things. People want to listen to more. Right. All right. I'm going to skip a song here and I'm going to get to the last song on the list. The last song on the list is we've never I done right a right red hot chili peppers song. Yeah. We're going to do Ooh. higher ground by the red hot chili peppers. This is flea. Check out oh, this. Opening. Yeah. That is an opening bass, isn't it? Yes. And I love what he did with the yeah. He, he took he like played the straight melody from the original, but he gave his own flair to it. It's looser. It's like louder. Yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. 
And Aaron, I had you to know, edit some stuff out there because there's some background noise, but I agree. That's the best version of that song uh, that I've ever heard. <laughs> and I think that's really good. Now, can I just tell you a quick story, Russell, before you tell us your story about that song? Yeah. That is the one when I brought my bass to football, when I brought it to college, right? The guy on the football team, of course, St. Olaf being a music school, there's a guy on the football team who was a bass player, an offensive lineman. And I was playing boop, 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 boop. Like just dumb shit. Don't know why I was doing it. He literally came into the room. He goes, oh, you, you have a bass? He goes, oh, I played bass in my high school jazz band. He literally picked it up and played this. And I was like, fuck me. Shit. <laughs> You're like, hey, that's the Seinfeld bit, isn't it? I mean, it would literally like be going on to one night stand and you just see dildos that she has. And they're so, they're, they'd be like eight inches long. And you'd be like, wow, well, what am I doing here? I mean, even if like I'm not five and a half inches, you're like, well, I can't compete with that. Do you have any that are like tuna cans? Keep going, Russ. That's good. You know what? One of the reasons I really enjoyed this song, and it, it it brought me back to listening to Aaron talk about his moment with his with his son earlier, where he was kind of having a rough day with him, and he yeah. listened to jazz. But I, when I can. Googled Flea and John Coltrane, there was a tweet that came up. And so a few years ago, someone tweeted at Flea, and they said, I'm just sick of life. I don't know what to do. What should I do, Flea? And he said, he said, take a long walk in nature, go swimming in a river in, or an ocean, or try listening to the Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Jesus wow. Christ. And I was just like, ah. that is spot on with the moment you had earlier, Aaron, where it's like you're having a rough day. And you know what Flea said? Go listen to John Coltrane. So I thought that was a great way to end the list on the best bass openings ever. Russell, that was easily a top five list. That's beautiful. What you don't, wow, now I'm looking at that tweet and there is a reply that says, uh, you can also yell at your kid and then apologize afterward and worry that you yes. screwed them up permanently. So I, that's the advice I took and I thought that was really good, actually. Great list, Russell. Wow, that's fun. But yeah, props to Jimmy, Car- Jimmy Garrison, who I think, yeah, had a lot oh. to do with how this album turned out, the whole rhythm section. Like, you couldn't do without him. Russell, you've done that shit now, though, where you have now linked every one of your list back yes. to the album that we're listening to. You've done that shit that I've done Oof. where it's like, oh, this is my bit now. I have to do it every time. This is my nightmare. It takes me 10 hours to get ready for the podcast. It sucks. I wanted to do just a list on the best timpani songs ever. And I'm like, well, this is just really boring. So I had to find something else. <laughs> I like a timpani coming up, though, soon. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Okay, so now uh, this also is also known as a kettle drum. I've done my research and it didn't pay off for me at all. <laughs> this is Pursuance Russell's the third song. Third song. But not yeah, song. We start with some yeah, we start with a nice drum solo. So this is Elvin Jones on the drums. And he like he finds so many different sounds in the drum set. He plays the whole drum set. I can't understand half of what he's doing, but I love it. It's probably like a five-piece drum set, right? It's not like these huge rock ones where they've got 58 different drums and and pedals and everything. It's just probably like a five- or four-piece drum set, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, yeah, like a ride cymbal, a hi-hat, a kick drum, a snare, maybe a a tongue at the beginning. That's it. Yeah, that would have been been like, no, it would have been separate from his drum set. Yeah, for like what he's playing here, no, man, that's totally right. It'd be a five-piece, like. That's yeah, he's amazing. Impressive. He like, yeah. I, it sounds like there's five people fl- playing the drums and it's just one guy. Now, is it possible that before he started the album, they yelled, take a hit from the gong? So here we yes. have the drum solo going into the theme here. Listen. God, I feel so smart listening to this. And a hit from the gong joke is smart to it. I like hit from the gong. Here in this clip you picked is so long. 
There we go. Along. There it is. I, I, I always just like to hear when they get started. Like, how do they do that? Like these 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 guys. It's one of the things that you hear people t- say or write about is that this this group listened to one another and they just knew what the others were doing. You know, one thing I heard about this is that this is a group that really listened to each other, and I think that's really and important why, like, to do. Why was I talking when John Coltrane is playing? Like, what do I have to say that's better than our listeners listening to John Coltrane? Apologies, everyone. Well, us not getting kicked off of every platform around would be helpful, so we need to talk over it loudly as possible. Uh, now we have the uh, Tyner, who is the piano player, right? Playing the theme? Yeah, McCoy. Yeah, McCoy Tyner. This was the one spot where I could hear him just like... There, just like, like just the one spot I could pick out where all of a sudden like he played the motif real quick and then he's like off into space again. So like the whole the whole thing's built around that and there's more going on around those four notes than we even realized. This felt a little more like Bob to me, kind of a little more of the classic. Interesting you say that, Rob, because I didn't oh. know this because I, I had to read about this, but this is a traditional twelve bar blues. Uh, which the, the scholar Lewis Porter says was like the the Coltrane Quartet sweet spot, and I did have to like sit down and like rudimentary count out twelve bars. But it's true they're playing twelve bars at a time. I can't find the chord changes, but yeah, it's a twelve bar blues. So you're right. Rob. Sounds like it's Russell coming to visit us in New York. Twelve bars. I mean, that's about what. Yeah, about how many it's we about hit? The right number in three I days. Had it, I had to pay it all twelve of them. I didn't get any trip names <laughs> out of the deal. <laughs> I, I do feel I am drunk with power now with my credit card knowing I don't have to pay for shit if I don't want to. Yeah, Rob and Jenny took me to some place where we had to buy bone marrow. I could have just gotten, uh, gotten uh, Jack Daniels wings at Chili's with them if I would have went a week earlier. <laughs> they brought bone it out and Jenny's like, this marrow. The, Jane goes, this is the I biggest bone, bone I've seen by far ever. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no argument from either of us when she said that either. <laughs> Here we're going yeah, back to church. Is, yeah, we're taking him back to church. This is where he's really, he's preaching now. He's letting you know, like, this is it. This is, this is what I feel. Oh, so good. And this is where the, the sheets of sound come back, right? Where, like, this is what, you know, him just playing these, like, extended runs that everybody, you know, knew him for. Well, yeah, especially we heard that with uh, on that Miles Davis uh, kind of blue and not kind of right. cool as some people have named it. Uh, here we have pursues <laughs> the know, end of it we have the bass solo here yeah and this uh, so this is the reason why this is the pick the reason, you, this is the this, clip you picked I mean yeah because you gotta hear you gotta give it up for Jimmy Garrison we gotta give credit to everybody in the quartet man it's a it's a team effort do you think they made fun of one of their players a lot like as a joke but like also like to show that they're really good friends with them and to be nice to them and try to include them. <laughs> but sometimes they like quartet, made fun they... of their plane too much and they felt bad about it and had to like do a lot of stuff actually. <laughs> Take a lot of time to apologize to them. Part, part of me thinks I should have been a stand-up bass player in my high school, middle school band because like I could have easily plucked those notes that that guy just played. That didn't seem <laughs> much did it? That's the most Russell thing I've ever heard you say of like, I can do that. I'm not saying everything else wasn't extremely difficult and talented, but the the clip there for that Eric gave us wasn't that overwhelming, yeah. well, was okay, it? Well, you okay, gotta okay, give it up for everybody on this on this album, man. You can't yeah. leave anybody out. Now presenting Russell with a bass solo, and we're just like fireworks are going off. <laughs> Everybody's cheering, and Russell comes out and does this. I got my baby back, baby back, baby back. I got my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> just slow bass play. It's like okay. But he did originally intend for there to be two bases on the on the recording. The second day of recording had, I think it's Art Davis. And then in Seattle, it was um, Donald Raphael Garrett. And he wanted one bass played with the bow and one bass played pizzicato with the with the uh, 
Interesting. Plucking. Well, and they did that a little bit on Psalm here, right? There's some there's some things that they maybe they double tracked a, a bit on this last song. Uh, yeah, I think they did do some overdubbing. That's true. All right, so this is the first song, Russell, but it's also the first Psalm. Okay. What song are we on? This is the last song. This is it. Four. He's praying, man. He's hey, man, if you look at Spotify, there's four songs. I know you guys are more advanced, but the rest of our dumb shit listeners don't know that. Well, that's like my greatest hit of golf albums I put out, too. It's got the drive song, the putt song, and the four song. Four. It's on. It's hard to talk when John's doing this, right? Like, that's it. He's, 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 he's closing out. He's praying. I find it's easy to talk all the time. I almost never stop. It's never a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny was next to me. She goes, you are constantly making noise all the time. And I have my headphones. I couldn't hear what she said. I was like, what? You said your VR graphics on. When I, was, when I was reading about this album, I was looking for a cocktail, and I came across this book called The Essential New York Times Book of Cocktails. And they had this essay in the New York Times Book of Cocktails about this bar in Midtown Manhattan called the Mac Bar. I don't know if you've ever been there, Rob. Is that the is that the big one? It's the Big Mac Bar. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yum, yum, yum. God, what if Big Mac wasn't uh, a bar daddy, shape? So that good. daddy bar. I would love to return to that bar. But they often, I think on certain nights <laughs> there, the they often play, they have a turntable on the back bar, and they often play a Love Supreme at the bar, they were saying in this essay. In the essential book of cocktails, they often play that. So they didn't list what people order for it. So I looked around, and it turns out there's actually a drink called a John Coltrane. You guys want to know what's in the drink? Mm, I don't know. Do we have time for Russell's drink? Yes, Russell. It's got to just be holy water, nothing else, right? (laughs) It's got vodka. Rob, you need to drop in all the James Brown when I say my ingredients. Oh, Oh my God. Are we doing that still? (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be a thing now. And then cherry Coke. And that's it. It's just vodka oh. and cherry coke. That's that's a John Coltrane. <laughs> oh god, I hit two bags. In, my bad. Let's see who's a better musician, Rob on Garage Band or James Brown Band. Let's listen to this. <laughs> One of the coolest things in the essay, though, they said you can listen to Coltrane when you're eating or drinking, awake or sleeping. Well, guess what, guys? I'm listening to Coltrane and I'm awake, so I'm having this cocktail tonight and I'm enjoying every bit of it. Oh, love so, it! So good. That actually sounds good to me. And you now, Russell, I'm ask, I'm going to ask you this: Did you mm-hmm. actually have cherry coke at home? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I think this is I think this is a fair <laughs> switch. Uh-oh. I did have a, I had to have vodka, yes, so yes. the vodka made it in there. Okay, what and else? I did not have a cherry coke, but and I wasn't going to go buy. Well, what a cherry looks coke, like a cherry? So Would you say like an apple? Kind of looks. Like I a had cherry. I had maraschino cherries, so I just dumped some juice into the thing and then mixed it with that. That's coke, pretty and good. I figure that counts, right? That's oh, probably yeah. even more fancy than a regular Definitely. John Coltrane. Even Coltrane better than cherry coke. Oh, even that, better. That's so good. And here's the end. Speaking of great things, end of the album. Listen to him blasting here. Right, he's saying, thank you, God. Amen. Where's the timpani? The timpani. There's Russell's timpani, also known as the kettle drum. And he goes back to the like the way he opened the album. Yeah. Did you know that that drum was invented by a guy named Mr. Penny? Guess what his first name was? <laughs> it was Tim. Tim Penny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The guy that ran for governor of Minnesota in 1994. Aaron's so mad. It's like, oh, Aaron, here's here's your favorite album. Ah, but that Tiffany joke was so good. (laughs) good No, I can't. I can't front. It's a good joke. I like that one. Also, the local connection of the uh, former gubernatorial candidate, Tim Penny. (laughs) 
Yeah. Wow. Matt already made that joke. Well, because I was going to say, when if Tim Penny, when he was running for governor of Minnesota, if he didn't come out every time to this. He had to have an entrance song, right? I'm Tim Penny. I'm Tim Penny. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Who's the who is the wrestler that came out to this wrestler? That would be the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest entrants of all time. So good. Again, the idea of somebody who's just too cool and rich to be in wrestling. One of my favorite ideas of all time. I'm so rich, <laughs> but God damn it if I don't love putting people in headlocks. If I were wrestler Tim Penny, I would walk down with like a bubble gum machine and then kids would put pennies in there and get a, a bubble gum from Mr. Tim Penny, the nature boy. And what song would they play? That's a timpani right there. By the way, did you, Penny. did you hear the million dollar man owes like $2.4 million to the He owes like $2.4 billion dollar pennies is what he owes oh, right yeah. now. To, to Alabama. Yeah. He frauded him out of $2.4 million. He's a billion dollar penny, yeah. the billion penny man. And he comes out in court. Your Honor, Tim Pennies are too many to pay. I can't. All right. Guys, if you would have thought yourself, how many Tim Penny jokes can Rob make? And the answer was over one. Guess infinite, what? We nailed it. We got infinite three. jokes. Although to be fair, Aaron did the Tim Penny joke, which is so funny. Yeah, we had a very serious podcast here. Then Aaron had to take it in the dumps with a Tim Penny joke. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Way to go, Aaron. Aaron's yeah. ruining our Tim Penny podcast with all this jazz talk. <laughs> don't, don't worry, guys. Tonight's daylight savings. We can do this for. Uh, this is actually only a one-hour podcast today because it's <laughs> daylight savings. Through another one. So tonight. when people look, they're going to say, "Oh, an hour," but it's because the time it, show, it goes back. Actually, so not That's a big true. deal. So Aaron, explain That's to me true. why you made me download these other songs. I made you download these other songs because uh, Wise One, which I can see is the second song you got there, was recorded in as part of Jen, the Coltrane Quartet's album Crescent, uh, which was recorded, I think, in like February or March of 1964. Uh, so go ahead and play, play just like a little bit of that, Rob. Matt just got up and walked away because I was going to be like, why is, why is one? Why is why, Matt leaving when he, like, why is the not why two? Is one is playing? Yeah, why, so, is, why is not two? Why is not three? So you can hear a little bit of where the Coltrane sound. from a different sound. album here? Different album, but only before, s- recorded maybe six months before okay. Love Supreme. So things are starting to head in the, the Love Supreme direction, but... You know, but it feels much more familiar, still, right? It feels much more like a song yeah. you would have heard before. Yeah, and he's doing a little bit of the, of the flourishes that he's known for, but he's playing long phrases, kind of smooth. Yeah, the drums are like laying down a groove. So that's that's about six Matt, months before. Man, that song was called Wise One, but I said Wise Wise Not Two. You know, hey, why isn't it on two? Yeah, well, that's a why is it on that's four? another song, Russell, but not Psalm. Don't be confused. And now you can hear Ascension. Yes. Which was recorded maybe just six months after Love Supreme. And now John Coltrane has blown the doors off of jazz in general. Now he's got a huge uh, group. So, so this is still his quartet plus um, Pharaoh Sanders plus uh, Dewey Johnson on trumpet. Uh, maybe another bass in there. And he's, he's fully embraced free jazz. You can see where he went just six months after Love Supreme. Let's check it out. Oh, it's like a big band. It's a big band. It's very loose. It's very free. And this is what his live Seattle version of it sounds like to me. It sounds very similar to this. 
Like, yeah. like more just chaos. Right. So, But it wasn't chaos, at least from what you read. I mean, he was giving cues in terms of where should the music go, who's going to take a solo, what's happening. I can't really hear it, you know, but like to him it was structured. And this is how quickly his music was moving. So we heard Wise One from March or April of 64, Love Supreme from December of 64, and then you hear Ascension from 1965. And like that's how quickly jazz was moving and John Coltrane's music was moving. I think part of it is that this is kind of this new form of avant-garde that he was doing, right, Aaron? Would you agree with me and say maybe that's a smart thing I said? No, it is a smart, but that's the thing. Like that's what I love no. talking to you guys about music for is that, yeah, if you hear it as just disjointed, it makes sense. It's four oh. guys in a room on one day mm-hmm. in their lives, and they played hundreds of shows together. But but if that's what you hear is that it's disjointed, then that's what it is. That's amazing. It's a lot like this podcast, Matt. <laughs> Matt, your thoughts? Well, I, I, I mean, I think, Russell, you do. And then, like, you know, if, to me personally, because I was starting to listen to jazz, like, oh, kind of mm-hmm. like Rosie, like, I, I should probably kind of understand why everybody thinks this stuff's cool, sure. you know, at first. And then I did watch that Ken Burns documentary. So good. About jazz. It was like 48,000 hours just about jazz. It was actually <laughs> great, you know. But you realize that there is a huge structure behind everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how far out a field can I go before bringing it back in and mm-hmm. then getting right back to where everybody's right back on sync again, right? And I think when you're John Coltrane and you're leading a quartet, you know, you're leading three other guys, like it's really important that you have timing. This is the rating system. Let's get to the rating system. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking, guys, right? This song, this had four songs, one song, as Russell pointed out. I think this episode is as long as James Brown's star time. I'm pretty sure that we're right there. We're close, but guess what? It was so good. Aaron, Aaron, I got to hats off to you again. Okay. Nobody listens to the actual music talk. Thank you for listening to me talk about one of my favorite albums of all time. Aaron, we weren't listening to you. I'm sorry, Aaron. It's it's not working. This episode's not working out. All right. uh, So let's get into the rating system. And because we don't have a lot of time, uh, I'm going to just explain it real quick uh, to each one of you separately as we go here. Uh, is this album, this album is at uh, 66. Now this is a jazz album. Okay. Rolling Stone magazine. Hmm. Let me see. Top jazz magazines. Nope. Not on there, but they picked, uh, a love Supreme as the 66th best album of all time. Okay. It actually fell down a couple slots from the original list. Uh, but is this album a rolling well toned 66 is right where it belongs. You know what? This is a little bit worse than Steely Dan Aja. And a little bit better than all the albums that are coming after, including Journey Asia. or whatever fuck is coming up next. Asia, isn't it? Oh, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> start over. Start it's over. Right if there, we got daylight right savings time, we can start <laughs> this over. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, just to let you guys know, uh, the opening bit this time, there's a little bit of improv that we have to do. So let's all think of funny things to say. And I definitely didn't make the steps going upstairs way too quiet uh, for how this goes. Or is this album a rolling uh, bone? Okay, it should not. It should not be at sixty six. It should be lower on the list, which is a lower number. If you're thinking about the list, I like I am where we're climbing up one, two, three, four. We're going up the list, also going up in numbers, up, up, up. We're adding on that calculator, and that would be a rolling bone. If it should, we should have seen it already. We should have passed by. We should have been like, oh, look at there's that album. There's but no, this is we're at the peak of where we are right now. Uh, and that's where this album is. Or did this, is this a rolling groan? Okay. You did not like the album. You don't think it should be here. You think Aaron's a real dumb shit for thinking this album is so good and knowing so much about it. 
uh, when really we just kind of started this podcast to tell jokes and then it actually turned into quite a bit of our time of the week is actually getting devoted to this album uh, to the point where it's kind of actually uh, taking a toll on our mental health. And uh, it's actually, I wanted to talk to you guys about that, but we can do it after the podcast. Uh, Aaron, what is your, actually, I'll let you go. Russ, Russ, I was going to just say something super depressing then ask Aaron to talk about the album, but I, I got to have him talk last. Russell, what do you think of this album? Rolling Well-Toned, Rolling Boned, or Rolling Grown? And again, my mental health. My- my first listen to it, I, like I said, I thought it was kind of disjointed, but I also understand that there's so much more than I understand. I'm not a huge jazz person. Matt and Aaron know so much more about jazz. Matt's talked about the that documentary before. I really should have watched that before, but I, I part of the part of the quest for me is is enjoying other people enjoy music too, and watching Aaron enjoy it, watching the way Matt talked about it, and ignoring Rob whenever he talked about the music <laughs> was was really a fun time for me. And I will also say that. I feel like this is a, a, an album I can put on in my car if I'm picking up a date and I can seem like a sophisticated dude if I'm listening to a Love Supreme. So I'm going to say Rolling Well Toned, I enjoyed it. Or you can put it in the car after getting hits, hit in the dates by a stone that your kid threw to calm down and not be so furious. They'd be like, we're on, we're on movement four of Psalm seven of this state. And they'll be like, wow, this guy is impressive. Yeah, And it's so funny. Cause I guarantee Aaron getting a, his kid throwing a rock at him and, and punching him in the nuts is not even the worst time he's had parenting. Like I guarantee that's like not great, Definitely but it's not the, no, it's not the worst. Not the it's worst. like, Oh, this it's been worse than getting hit in the nuts and getting a rock thrown at you. Matt, what do it's you think? True. Rolling well-toned, rolling bone or rolling grown. I think we talk about it every week. You know, it's hard to figure out where this, uh, you know, matches up against, you know, like appetite for destruction, right? Like how do you put John Coltrane <laughs> oh, wow. versus guns and yeah, roses wow. and guns and roses albums that, are, so I, you, you just kind of put it in perspective of how influential the album was, uh, you know, with all of these albums, cause it's not about the best album of all time, just how influential it was. Everybody's voting on it. And so for that reason, I mean, uh, you know, kind of blue was ahead of it. Um, I don't know if I like kind of blue better than, than this album. I certainly think that a love Supreme is way up there in terms of the jazz albums that I can understand. Let's put it that way. And so for that reason, you know, I, I just don't think you can judge it against the other genres, uh, like you can like rock albums. So I'm just going to say it's rolling well toned. All right. So that is it for today. Right. I will see you guys later. <laughs> Let's have a good one. Matt's been doing that Jake the Snake DDT motion all night. That, 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 good, that was a way. good episode. Russell, next up, Journey. You got the final joke, Russell? Greatest hits of Journey. Yeah, I got to get this. Kenny G coming up playing the soprano sax. Probably inspired by John Coltrane's work on his really turn off my favorite things. We should really turn off our recorders right now. That would be That would be the ultimate. Are we done recording? I think we're done recording. Everybody. Okay, Aaron, what do you think of this album? Uh, and keep in mind that this podcast is taking quite a toll on me. It's kind of a I mean, what am I going to say about this album that other people who are smarter about this have not already said? You guys this is a rolling well it. tone. That means it's perfect at 66. A rolling groan uh, something and a rolling bone something else. You guys know I'm going to say this is rolling boned. Because of course I'm going to say that I would I I would have said there's no way that we can categorize this album in the context of any other music. It's it's just up there with some of the most celestial, powerful pieces of music that I've ever heard. But the reason that I will call it Rolling Bone is that I do think that number one, this is one of the greatest bands ever assembled. These guys played together so perfectly, and every note is a marvel. 
And secondly, I think it was, as Matt pointed out, very influential on people like John Bonham, Carlos Santana, other rock and roll figures. Mm. And so I think in the context of the Rolling Stone list, it influenced a lot of things that came that, that were higher on the list than this one, which means a lower number higher on the list. So I'm going to call it a rolling boned. But I think John Coltrane would not care as long as we're all listening and we're getting something out of this music and we're thinking about something greater than ourselves. That's what matters. So Aaron didn't really like it, and that's fine. Uh, the correct answer is, by the way, uh, this is, uh, and, and it's tough because, like, you think about this album, and it's like, it's a deep message to God, and it's like, how do I talk about this album in a way that gives John Coltrane, you know, uh, credit for what he did? I mean, he's been on every jazz album we've done so far. Like, he's the he's the key to all this, uh, and that's why this gets a rolling saxophone. There's a lot of saxophone oh, on this. Yes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Technically correct. Perfect. True. Perfect. Uh, guys, perfect. what does what what does Gwen Stefani have that that none of that Jay Z has a reasonable amount of? Doubt. doubt. Next Ooh, week we got reasonable like doubt like by Jay Z. <laughs> Jay Z's band. <laughs> Man, we listened to Reasonable Doubt the other day. That band, or uh, No Doubt the other day. Jeez, I messed it up. We listened to No Doubt the other day. That band is super fun. Are they on the list? I love listening to No Doubt. Kind of like a sky pop. Band. Yeah, I was I was kind of wrote them off as like eh, oh, they broke the sky wave better. So oh fun. no! Oh no! Seriously, guys, what's wrong? I didn't push record on anything. Oh, well, we'll just skip this episode. No big deal. <laughs> we'll go right to Jay-Z. You guys know you can go to Chili's and get a three for $10? Three for 10, a non-alcoholic drink, an appetizer, and an entree. 10 bucks. That's what you were supposed to pay for an hour at the karaoke bar before you fucked them over, Rob. I would pay $0. <laughs> <laughs> you pay for it. You pay the ten dollar cover. You pay two or not? Yeah, we said we'll give him the money. Guys, I don't. We don't need to relitigate this. Like literally, it's got to be taken off the podcast. I'll get you in trouble. It's getting litigated the first time. Actually, the karaoke place is taking me to court. Rob v. Karaoke Place. Supreme Court. Our, our Rob podcast v. corporate Chili apostrophe. Yeah. yeah. And the front of the Supreme Court, Rob started by saying, "Hey, you have you guys listened to my podcast?" Uh, the justice said, uh, "Oh yeah, we'll get to that." Did not ask for the name of the podcast. Did not want that entered into the record. Don't you that's, know? That's I later am. on the docket, which is the United States versus Beck did it better for a copyright infringement. <laughs> we gotta completely delete that shit. <laughs> stop recording. Everyone, stop recording. I did so long ago, like an hour in. <laughs> All right.